Hello and welcome to In PS We Trust. And this is a special episode. It's our first ever episode of SpoilerCast from the past. We asked and you guys voted. This time we are covering off the winner of the first ever poll and that is Metal Gear Solid. So before we get into this and we go through who we are and what we're going to be discussing today, if you have not played Metal Gear Solid before, go and play it before listening to this because we are going to be going through full spoilers throughout this game. Now, I'm Davey, and joined with me, as always, is Phil. Return to your positions. And Spencer. What's up, lads? So, we are going to be going deep into Metal Gear Solid's arse, and I cannot wait to get amongst it with you boys. I cannot wait. First off, guys, the way I'm thinking we go through this conversation is we kind of go through our overall thoughts on the game, how we found it, especially for me and Phil, where it's been 20-odd years since we last played it. And Spencer, this is your first time actually playing the game through, so I cannot wait to hear how you guys have got on with it. Try and keep this top level, but if the conversation goes off, we just go off with it. Phil, over to you. What are your overall thoughts on Metal Gear Solid? Well, Davey, this this is a bit of a, a break from tradition, isn't it? Me going first is normally Spencer. So let's dig into it. Metal Gear Solid. As you said, probably haven't played this game for at least 20 years. And I, I honestly haven't. I haven't been back to this game. Uh, I haven't had the PlayStation 1 set up in, in a bunch of years now. So in my office, uh, I've got the PS1. Uh, got the CRT TV set up specially to play through this game. And I've been loving it. Loving every second of it, as I imagine, because... I know I love the game, you know. Um, this is a game that historically I've always had very fond memories of. Um, obviously, there's a hell of a lot of stuff I want to touch on, going from the story to the boss fights, everything in between, and all the different um, Easter eggs and all the kind of reference points in the game. And, you know, I'm a massive Hideo Kojima fan anyway with everything I talk about with Death Stranding on literally every episode of MPS We Trust. Um, so it's no surprise that I love this game. 100%. And so did you play it then on original hardware? Yeah, as I said, um, got the PS1 out of storage, uh, found an old CRT, which we used to have in the kitchen uh, back at my parents' house, which was uh, luckily stored away, uh, thanks to my dad being a, ho- a massive hoarder, just keeps everything. Brilliant. Massive eh? whore. Massive whore. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Um, the, the only thing I did have to, um, find was, was a memory card, um, because all the old, all the old memory cards I had were like third party dodgy ones. And I was like, if I'm going to put something like, I don't know, 11, 12 hours into this game, I don't want to be saving six hours in and then just losing my save. So I thought, let's play it safe, get on eBay, buy, uh, you know, not a reconditioned one, a new one that's maybe not been used before, um, to use with this. So it cost me 15 quid, something like that. So it's worth it, worth the investment, really. I already own the game. Um, yes, I own a platinum version of the game, which I don't think is my original version of it. So I think that's somewhere in storage as well. Fair dues. I mean, it's always cool to be able to play it on the original hardware. And there's something just really nice, I think, sometimes about pulling out a console that you put a lot of a lot of time into in the past and kind of just reminiscing with it. I mean, I've got my original PS1 right here. Here it is, in all this joy, with a random skate sticker on the front of it. HSC Plus. HSC. Do you remember that skate mag? I do nice. remember that skate mag, yeah. I remember ordering quite a lot of stuff from that. Because it was very hard to find like skate brands back in the day, wasn't it? And they always sent loads of stickers, yeah. 
So I think it's always something nice going back to original hardware. For, for my experience, I ended up playing it through on the PlayStation Classic. So I haven't done that. I just played it on that. And that was great. It uses original PlayStation 1 controllers, but, but, but that's about as close as it gets to that. Um, now, before I ask Spence about his experience and how he played it through, my experience really with this top level, I'll give you mine before we move it on to Spence. I fucking adore this game. I mean, this game's my favorite game of all time. When I think back about when I last played it, game came out in 1997, if I remember rightly. Came out in 1996, Tokyo Games Show. Um, then was originally planned late for 1997, but was delayed until 1998, says the Wikipedia. Okay, well, 1998. So it's been a long-ass time since I played it, and I remember playing this all the way up until the release of MGS2. And then I don't think I've played it since then. So it's been a hell of a long time since then. Going back to it was a joy in every single way. I absolutely adored every single minute of it. And it's surprising how much a game that, even with this amount of time that's gone since I last played it, just remembered everything. It all just came flooding back to me really quickly all the little tricks I used to do, different ways I used to beat bosses, different routes I used to go, everything was all back with me within about 15 minutes. And I suppose that just goes to show how much impact a game has on you. I absolutely adored it. I absolutely adored it. But that's not really any surprise it is my favourite game of all time. Spencer, I'm desperate to know here how you got on with this, especially as it was your first time playing it. Over to you, mate. Take as long as you want. Right, well, it's quite nice that, um, that obviously Phil's played it on original hardware, you played it then on the PS Classic, and I straight up just emulated it on my PC. So it's nice that we've all had different kind of experiences in how we played this game. Uh, I did have a bit of a nightmare at first. I thought, I'm playing it with an Xbox 360 controller, whereas you boys, I know you had the original pad. It felt weird, but you get used to it. I, th I thought, you can't walk in this game, right? You're always running. No, you can walk. Right, I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't walk. You're just sprinting everywhere. I full sprint everywhere. Oh. <laughs> okay. That that might lead on to some interesting conversation later on when we talk about certain bosses and certain enemies then. It might do, because I thought it was there was something wrong with my controller, and then the D-pad sprinted as well. So I thought, well, maybe you can just only sprint. But I guess not. No, you yeah, you can you can creep. Um, you can walk like slower. You don't have to be like full on running everywhere. You mostly are though. To be fair, you can walk slower, mate. I couldn't. That's crazy. I mean, you can crawl as well, though. Yeah, you could crawl. I could pro. Yeah, that that would slow you down and stop the noise, I suppose. So maybe maybe that was your option. But we'll yeah. see when we get onto that. Yeah, but controller issues aside, the game itself. It's a fun game. It is a fun game. I don't adore it as much as you, you boys do. I think it's fun. I enjoy my time with it. I'm really glad I played it because obviously this is a game that I've missed in the past and I wish I played sooner. And I think I would appreciate this game a lot more if I did play it sooner. Because I'm playing it and I did have a PS1. I did play PS1 games. And compared to other PS1 games, this fucking blows them away. This game is revolutionary for the PlayStation 1. The shit you can do in this game is sick. But it's so 
fucking convoluted. It's insane. <laughs> I literally the cutscenes. I'm sat there and I'm just like, oh my god, shut up! I couldn't believe it. The amount of twists in this is insane. But the dialogue and such, it did make me laugh. So a lot of time I'd be like, oh my god, shut up! And then they'd say something funny, like Vulcan Raven would start speaking about the Olympics in in freaking Alaska, and I was just like, I'm back in. That's so jokes. And then ear pulling it was great a test of mind and strength mate a test of mind and strength in extreme cold well we'll get we'll get more into the twists and the turns of the story kind of as we go on i think it's really interesting to hear kind of your experience especially now you know not having nostalgia not having all this so so tied to your childhood like like it is with mine and, and Phil's middle life when he played it. Um, it, it, is, it is really interesting to hear that. And I think that's going to set up a really good dynamic as we go through this in a bit more depth. But before we get into any specific thing, I do want to find out what your playtime was, guys. So we might as well go back around in this order. Phil, let's start with yourself. How did you get on playing this game through? Do you, do you know what your rating was or what your playtime was? Yeah, of course. I, I took a photo of it um, because I knew we'd bring it up on the podcast anyway. It's quite a nice talking point, isn't it, to compare the scores. And I'm sure you're going to be massively competitive and you would have taken all the shortcuts uh, and cheated your way through so you get a super fast time. Um, I played through normally uh, on normal, <laughs> normally on normal. Um, I, and I, I did everything in the game that I could do. Uh, and I did it just over 13 hours. So 13 hours and one minute was my playtime. Christ. That's surprising to me. Um, I didn't do... I don't know what you're on about with these cheats or whatever, right? I don't know what you mean by this, by this by this cheating thing. The only... So back in the day, you could have this box that plugged into the back of the PlayStation. It had all these cheats on to make you invincible or walk through walls or things oh. like that. that. They existed. So I could imagine you had something along those lines. Or you probably just used the box track. So all I did was, in the times where you got a backtrack... If you've got a cardboard box, which obviously you find multiple throughout the game, if you go into the back of a van, which there's one at the airport and there's one in the um, place where all the disarmed nuclear weapons are where you can't fire your guns, if you go into the back of those and equip a box and just stay there for a second, a guy will come up and be like, huh, one box to go to the airport? Okay, and he'll just take you there. And, uh, and so I use that a couple of times when you have to go back and get the PSG1 and stuff like that. My playtime, I didn't skip any cutscenes, didn't skip any dialogue, didn't skip any codec conversations. My time was 6 hours, 40, sec uh, 40 minutes. Um, I just, I know this game. I just, I just know it, uh, like the back of my hand. So I wasn't really too surprised with that. Um, but it, it is still interesting, I think, especially like for yourself, Phil, 13 odd hours. Um, I suppose it goes to show the difference that you can have, even if you're a returning player to the game. So what about yourself, Spence, for a brand new first time through? How did you find it clocked up? I think my time was roughly 13 hours as well, similar to Phil. But I also played it, whereas I didn't know about the cardboard box trick until right at the end of the game. So I didn't utilize that at all. I got very lost trying to find the sniper rifle. I fucking forgot that you crawled under the big door. I just forgot about that. So I ran around the basement level two, basement level one and the first floor so many times thinking, where? Surely I've blown up a wall or something 
or looking for the vents because you call for the vents at the start and I was thinking how the how did I get here I couldn't remember so there was a good maybe hour or two <laughs> spent looking for that sniper rifle and then today when I booted the game back up because I finished it today and that's where I started I just fucking YouTubed it and I found out a second I started watching the video the second I saw them like go prone next to that door I was like oh my god I'm an idiot there's nothing worse than that though when that happens i always hate myself whenever whenever something like that happens and you think oh fuck's sake i'm sure i tried that i'm sure i tried that and you just haven't done it you know it's the worst it's the worst oh man so i suppose what i want to know now guys i want to move it into some more kind of specifics let's really just blow the fucking doors off this game right i want to know kind of everything i want to know what your favorite bosses were, what your favorite sections, kind of everything. Let's just fucking unpack this shit. Let's just go into it. I just cannot wait to talk about this game and just to hear how you guys got on with it. So first off, we're starting off the start of the game, Snake, an amazing intro cutscene where you get the full explanation of why he's there and what his mission is. So Snake's mission overall is to take down a terrorist threat on an abandoned Alaskan outpost in Shadow Moses Island and take out a terrorist group called Foxhound. How did you guys find the overall plot? How did you feel that the story kind of grabbed you? Did it grab you? What do you think? I'm trying to remember when I first played it. Did I really understand the story? And was I really invested in it? I probably don't think I was when I was playing it originally. You know, coming out in 1998, I'm 37 now. So if someone wants to do the quick math, I wouldn't have been that old to really care about really the subject matter that it was on. I just quite liked the idea of a stealth game, I think. And it was cool back in those days to like Metal Gear Solid. So I think that's probably why I was so invested and loved the game. You know, I'm now playing it through probably 20 years later, as we said in the opener, uh, and I'm rediscovering things about the game that I probably don't remember because of the time gap, and I probably wasn't that interested in the story when, when I was younger when I first played it through, being completely honest. Spence? I mean, it gripped me very, like, in intensely at the start. I thought, you know what, Metal Gear, I know it's great, I'm keen, can't wait to dive in the story, I'm going to love it. But then just the further I got, the more loose my grip was in terms of story. The further I got, the more times the story was like, oh no, this is happening. Oh no, this is happening. Oh no, that never even happened. It's this now. And I was just like, what? Shut the fuck up. I was like, Let me sneak about in me box and shoot some people, choke them out, and stop telling me I'm doing this. Spence. Did you want more Metal Gear in your Metal Gear? Because I think that's probably what I thought when I was a kid. Because I knew there was like robots in there and obviously I'm a massive like Gundam, Transformer fan. And that's probably what attracted me to the series. And then to kind of figure out that actually Rex isn't in the game till the very end. Spoilers here already. Might have been a disappointment for me when I first played it. I mean, I imagined it would be a build up to Metal Gear X. Which is what it is. But I wouldn't know. I, I wouldn't say that is the case. I think it's fine. I think it just the story, man. 
The story's the only thing that puts me off on this game. And I knew it would, because I know Kojima. I know what he does. He's a fucking loon. The dialogue's great, and that's what kept me in. The dialogue was actually awesome, and the delivery with the characters is great. But the story itself <laughs> is madness. It's insane. It's, it all makes sense at the end. It does make sense, kind of, if you really spend a minute to sit down and think about it. But you have to. And I feel like in a good game, the delivery of the game usually either hits you emotionally where you think about it yourself, but you have to sit down and think about yourself just for what this game did, not about what it meant. Just like, what actually did I just play? I'm not sure. I think for me, right, going into this, I watched that that intro cutscene where it's like, Your cock was out. It was out straight away. I was so invested from the off. And just the things I couldn't remember, and going back now, is how it sets up the entire mission, the whole point of you being there, your whole reason for what you're going to be doing over the entire game within the first five minutes. Everything. You get introduced to every single character who's going to be there outside of Meryl. You get you get introduced to an explanation of every single boss, every single member of Foxhound. You, you know what you're up against. It's a genome army that you're literally on your own. You're getting weapons on site. You're not sent in with anything. And that's it. And it just opens the doors then and lets you experience that full initial kind of playground with those first couple of guards that are sneaking around. You learn that you can't walk through puddles because you're going to leave footprints. You've got to crawl through them. You learn to uh, use the Sultan radar to get outside of their vision cones so you can kind of get around you know that you can, like, knock on surfaces to distract them. You learn all this within the first five minutes, everything you're going to need for the entire game. And that just got me straight away, just back in the saddle, boys. I was back in the saddle straight away. I was like, yes, let's fucking go. And getting up getting up in that lift where he just takes all his stuff off and then you just see, like, the hind D and you see it take off. They got a hind D. I was like, yes, snake, let's go. I was like so, so into it. I just, I can't believe how quickly it kind of just grabs you and gives you just this really atmospheric music where you kind of feel on your own. And it's tense, but you also feel like as if you're in control of the situation. And you kind of get all that from the score, from the voice acting, and just from the visuals, which at the time were incredible. Now, not so much, right? They're, they're pretty rough. But for what they could do on a PS1, it's still really, really impressive. And I got to say, the plot from the moment it started to the end, even though I knew what was coming, I was gripped by all of it. I was gripped by Naomi's backstory. I was gripped by the constant talk of your, your genes and, and your genetic code dictating who you are and what your story was going to be and how your parents play a part in that kind of escaping the, the shadow of your father. All that, all that really, really gripped me throughout all of it. I I just was so involved in every single moment. Now, Spence, you mentioned about emotion. You mentioned about a good game grips you. How did you feel with killing each of the bosses? Did any of them kind of spill in their entire backstory and their kind of reason for existing and what they've done did any of that resonate with you at all or did you think it was a bit just verbose vulcan raven i'll say yeah i like vulcan raven he was dope and then you you slowly walking off as he's telling you all this 
whilst he's being eaten by his own ravens, you're just like, damn. This is Are, are they crows? Oi. Not crows. Don't insult the man. But... <laughs> I was I was playing this, and whilst I was playing it, I was screen sharing it to my friend in Discord as well. And when Sniper Wolf died, and it's quite emotional, and Otacon comes in, and he's obviously he's like, "But I loved her snake. Don't I told you not to kill her?" And it's like, "Well, would you expect me not to kill? She's shooting me, you daft bastard." But she's literally led on the floor, and she says, "I'm a curd," and Snake goes, "A curd." <laughs> I said, I said to my mate, I said, a curd? Is it a curd you can suck these nuts? <laughs> and then the, all the emotion <laughs> just went. <laughs> the emotion oh. just went away. Man, why? <laughs> it <was> too, <laughs> I, I, thought, I thought of it and I thought, I gotta say it now. Oh, dear God, dear God. So really, the only person that you felt for at the entire game was Vulcan Raven yeah. with his monologue. That's the only one. Maybe Psychomantis being ugly as well, but yeah. <laughs> what about yourself, Phil? I, I think I'm the opposite end of the scale. You know, obviously I have a lot of uh, love for this game and, and definitely the characters, they, they stick in, they've stuck in my mind ever since playing the game. And every time you kill one of them, you do go through a big cutscene, uh, a big deep dive into their backstory, their reasoning, um their character and and you find out who they are you know i i quite like the way every time they they introduce a new boss to you they come down and they've got their code name but they also have their real name to actually humanize these characters because they are real people with a real reason to be there they aren't just here's some boss with a big gun no there's there's some kind of background or some loose kind of background to this character and it kind of brings them you know kind of fills them out a little bit more for me and and yeah i do care for them the only one i didn't care for was bloody liquid at the end i was pressing that button like mad to shoot him with a stinger missile come on why am i waiting <laughs> well you don't want to hurt frank do you you don't want to hurt frank mate frankie's dead he's dead and then you're mashing it and snake's like i can't not yet. I can't do it. And you're just like, mate, shoot. No, not Frank. Not Frank! Not he gets squished Fox. like a second later. You know he's dead. I, I love the amount of impressions that are going on already, right? We're, we're 23 minutes into this podcast, right? And this is without editing. Uh, and all the time we're uh, throwing out <laughs> impressions of snakes. So I might put a counter, <laughs> see how many we can get up to. <laughs> I gotta say, for, for me, the emotion was just raw throughout all of it. I I couldn't remember actually that the bosses did this at the end. That after every single boss, there was like kind of that that monologue and that moment where they explain like kind of their journey and where they've come from and and why they've done what they've done. And I loved it. I really loved it. I think it, the bosses in in retrospect now, the bosses are so iconic. I mean, all of these bosses have their place in video games' best bosses of all time in terms of terms of the way they're designed and in terms of their character they 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 just stand the test of time and i think it's it's that for me is one of the key moments to it where they just even after it's gone the fight's over kind of the adrenaline rush is gone you get this extra moment within this last little moment where they just leave a little imprint on you and for me the ones that really like stuck stuck out to me wasn't vulcan ravens for me it was psychomantis and sniper wolf 
those two without without a doubt especially with sniper wolf where she's there she's like bleeding out you know she's like struggling for a breath and he just puts the you know he just like it just cuts the snake and he just like points the gun at her and just just shoots her and then covers her with the handkerchief and starts walking off and Otacon's like sink you told me that love can, can bloom on a battlefield and and all that and his entire like dialogue with with Otacon there is just it's just amazing it's just the fact that he has to go on and uh, and that yeah they may have loved but it had to be done you know he has to get Meryl back and and that just it just really stuck out to me it really stuck out to me and later entries in the series with um, Snake Eater and things like that they do similar similar kind of approaches to this and this is kind of where where it begins really in terms of making the bosses so iconic across this entire series because all of them do this same kind of thing in every single one of the games now they all have their moment where they say something just when they're about to die and I just really like it. I think more games should do it, really. I think it just adds that extra bit of, like you said, Phil, like a kind of a human connection to them rather than being just another obstacle in your path. I've got a quick question for you. Otacon, Sniper Wolf, that was all in his head, wasn't it? They weren't ever together. Come on. Mate, entirely in his head. His name is Otacon, Otaku Convention. He's a fucking weeb. She literally didn't know who he was. She's like, oh, you want to feed my dogs? Fine. Go on. You do my chores. And he's there like, thank you. Oh, my God. You've given me this gift. Fam. He does love robots, though. So he's got one redeeming feature about him. I mean, the, the guy literally, you can tell he's one of those guys that the only girls he sees are in anime. That's it. And so to see an absolute 10 out of 10 stunner, his sniper wolf come out. He's like, fucking hell, I'm going to get into dogs. He's like, I, I don't like dogs normally. I fucking hate dogs. I'm more of a cat person. But she fucking loves those wolves, those huskies. That's my in, boys. That's my in. And, he, you know, it'd be on Twitter these days. It'd be like, yo, I'm just going to shoot my shot. And I'd be like, shoot your shot, king. And he just goes for it, gets her handkerchief. He's like, let's fucking go. He's like, he's thinking he's going to get a date. And then she just comes and marks Snake. And he's like, No. They're so mismatched, aren't they? You know, you've got Otacon on the one side, right? This computer geek, right? Who's just, he's the very typical geeky guy, loves his anime. And then you've got Sniper Wolf, who's this 10 out of 10, as you've said, who's always taking painkillers. So she's a massive drug addict and she's a trained killer. And she's got a BAPS out for a, uh, a video game as well. So I, 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 I don't know. I, I think it might have been in his head. I think she might have just said hi to him once in the office. And then after that, he was in love. Yeah, I think I, I think you guys might be on to something there. But even so, it doesn't take away from the fact that he still really loves her, right? So even if if we look at it from the other side, from her perspective, she's like, why is this random guy crying at me? He just bought me a coffee once when I popped in to feed my dog, right? And she, he's like, she's like, why are you here? Like, I... I don't even know who you are. And he's like, oh, you gave me this handkerchief. She's like, oh, I got a fucking million of them. I gave one to Gary, the guy who shits his pants outside the fucking prison every day. I gave him one the other day. I gave it to one of those soldiers who looks familiar. He looks really like Snake. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. It probably is just in his head. But I, I still I still find that really, really touching. I mean, what's jokes is that literally the scene, the entire, like, the pivotal scene where she's dying and Nauticon's coming along like, I loved her, Snake. She doesn't say a fucking word to him other than get me my gun. 
That is all she says in his direction. Other than that, she talks to Snake the entire time. She wanted nothing to do with him. She was like, oh, I can't Snake's here. Fuck off. And the, and the tone as well. She talks down to him as well. Yeah. It'd be that type of relationship if they got together. He'd like that, though. He'd like that. I mean, you saw you saw him against the ninja. He just straightened that locker, pissing his pants. I mean, he likes that, man. He he didn't want to come out of that locker. He was he was in there for days. But this is this is going off in typical MPS we trust fashion into some vulgar territory. So bringing it back as we are discussing bosses, I kind of want to discuss them in quite a bit of depth here because we got a load of bosses throughout this entire game. Now, obviously, we start with Revolver Ocelot. He's our first boss that we encounter in the game. Guys, what are your thoughts on that boss fight? How do you think it holds up? Or does it not hold up running around in that square waiting for a reload animation? Yeah, by your tone, uh, and I'd agree with that, it's probably the worst fight in the game, I'd say. There, there isn't much to it other than chasing him. And once you've got him on the bounce, you can just continue attacking him. And it's very easy. So you can pretty much hit him once, run behind him, hit him again, he stumbles, hit him again, hit him again, hit him again, game's over. It's a really simple fight once you get it. The, the interesting thing about the fight, though, is there's, there's two kind of endings to it. Do you know this? So there's a good ending where he basically compliments you on your skill if you basically kill him the first five times, something like that. But if you die a bunch of times and then you kill him, then he'll put you down before the ninja comes across and uh, cuts off his hand. So there's a, there's a little Metal Gear Kojima fact in there for you boys. It's a little Easter egg. So he doesn't always say, ha, huh, you're pretty good. He doesn't always say that, whatever. I think he always starts off with that. But one, one of the endings, obviously, he compliments you on your skill. Because he's always breaking the, breaking the fourth, third wall? Fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall. Uh, and then one time he puts you down. So it all depends on how you do with him. Obviously, I got the good one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously. I didn't know about the other one. So uh, I might have, to, uh, might have to explore that one a little bit more. But yeah, you're you're quite right. I I found I found it definitely the weakest boss fight. Like you said, as soon as you get on his ass, you're just on his ass. Then you're just running around, you know, holding X and Square together and just running behind him, just shooting him in the ass, and he and he can't do anything about it. I mean, I I remember playing it through as a kid for my first time. I remember when I got into that boss fight and I was trying to shoot him across like diagonals. And I was getting wrecked, and then. It just clicked, and I thought, well, I'm just fucking chasing down. He's got to reload, right? And knowing that now, it, it does. It just turns the entire boss fight into a bit of a farce, and it's just a wait for your cutscene with Baker then, the arms tech president, which I really love that cutscene. Spencer, what about yourself? What did you think about the first encounter we get with the good old Shalashaska himself? I mean, I didn't mind that boss fight. I did it. I died the first time. I did it second try. Uh, so I got the complimentary uh, scene. Didn't know there was a bad one, but it makes sense that there is, because that's the kind of shit Kojima pulls. Um, I thought it was fun. I figured out I can't use C4 in that fight, because that's how I died the first time. Because I put a C4 down there, blew up all the C4s, tripwired, <laughs> and I just died. It blew up the saw trap then. Yeah, it did. It's so, so sore, isn't it? The way it's set up. Yeah, I mean, he could have Awful. achieved the same thing with one string rather than fucking 50. But I, I enjoyed that fight. I, did, I, did, I don't think it was the worst. 
I'll explain which is the worst when the time comes, in my opinion anyway. Obviously not which is definitively the worst. Um, but I enjoyed it. It is very much what you boys are saying where you just wait for the reload. But it's also got the thing of you can't just stay still away from him and wait because you have to be moving because he's shooting you on the diagonals because he's got, he's got bullets that bounce <laughs> for some fucking reason. He bends the bullet, doesn't he? He does. He just knows all about his ricochets, mate. It's the best... That that sing what's it called now? The single action army? I think that's what it's called. The best handgun ever made. He's like spinning it around in his in his fingers, like flipping it around. Oh so cool. Such a cool bar. And you say about reloading, his like catch line that he says all the time is fucking terrible as well. I quote I love reloading during battle. There's nothing like feeling Sorry, there's nothing like the feeling of slamming a long silver bullet. Yeah, <laughs> nice. True words have never been spoken. It's <laughs> exactly what I feel like when I'm on the range. It doesn't even make sense, does it? No, it makes no sense. It's just a weird sexual connotation, and I feel like they are thrown in throughout the game all the time, right? And as a kid, obviously didn't really pick up on any of this, but as an adult now, playing it through at 36, I'm like... A long silver bullet, eh? Okay, I get you. <laughs> well, moving on from that then, we then move into after obviously meeting with, um, say, well, after killing uh, Baker, the arms tech president with Fox Die, we move through the game and we come to the tank. The tank is the next boss piloted, of course, by Vulcan Raven. Guys, the tank kicked my ass a little bit, actually, which I was quite surprised about. I knew I had to throw grenades in the top of it, right? I remember that, no problem at all. The thing I couldn't remember is how to lure the tank to me. It took me a while. It just didn't come to me. It was just fucking blasting me behind the rock. And I was like, well, I'm fucking done then. And uh, and then it eventually eventually just came my way. And I was like, oh, chuck some grenades in. And then just married on my way. And I was like, oh, that was okay. It was all right. Uh, not, certainly not the best boss. Certainly nowhere near the top of the list for me. But it actually did kill me, which is more than most of the bosses did on this game. What about yourself, Phil? How did you get on with this one? I think this was a contender again for probably the worst boss in the game. And we've started on a low low with these two, I think, right? So the the boss comes out and and like different people come out of the tank don't they because it's not always Vulcan raven it's sometimes um w one of the um one of the geno soldiers um and all you've got to do is just chuck grenades into it the only thing you've got to learn um is just the timing of snake throwing grenades because it isn't instant it isn't just press the button and he throws the grenade he press the button he takes the pin out then throws the grenade so that's the only slightly difficult thing about that um but once you learn that the the the, the boss fight is very easy well, for me, that fight was a fucking piece of piss. First tried it, easy. My only issue with it was I didn't have a mine detector. So I got shafted by the mines. Absolutely fucking shafted by the, by the mines. I didn't get a mine detector until the end of the game. You find one, like, right near the end. Do you know how to get around the mines? You, they, you what? What do you mean? He doesn't know. You don't know? I don't know. Unless you prone past them or something. Just crawl over them. You pick them up. Yeah, if you crawl over them, you pick them up. So then you end up with loads of C4 at the end of the oh. game. 
So it makes it makes other boss fights much easier if you collect all those early on in the game. Um, but yeah, you you wouldn't know that, right? And it's not obvious. I don't think the game ever explains it, to my knowledge, that if you do crawl over them, you do pick them up. Because it seems weird, right? You tend to try and weave through them, and there is a way to like walk through them. Because I very much put night vision goggles on so you can see them, or the infrared, whatever it's called, and try to walk through them. And and you there is a way through. But if you do just crawl over them, you do just pick them up, and then you're more overpowered later on in the game, as I've said. Yeah, definitely. And, and I suppose also the thing about it is that um you said you didn't find the night vision goggles um i had the night vision goggles for that for that part um so one one issue at all um so i knew you know when i went there straight away i knew there was mines there i remembered so i just put my mine detector on and i was good to go you know no no problems at all from mines um yeah throughout my throughout my playthrough yeah i i had a big issue with mines <laughs> mines were probably what did the most damage to me throughout the game I didn't get a mind detector until right at the very end in some hidden room past right leading into the room with Metal Gear X in and there's a shitload of turrets and you go to the right and upstairs whilst after you've chaffinated turrets. And I know exactly box. what you mean. Yeah, yeah, there's a mind detector there and that's when I got my mind detector and I was like, where's this been? I was like, why is this year? <laughs> I think you can pick it up like three or four different times throughout the game. I don't think it's like a thing you actually need because you can just crawl through them if you kind of know where they are. So as soon as you get hit, obviously your health, you know, you can get items where you can get more health basically um, throughout the game. So you, you tend to need them less the further on you get. Um, but as soon as you get hit by a mine, just just go prone. Yeah, I mean, as soon as I found the mine detector, I never encountered another mine again. <laughs> it, was, it was a piss take. Fucking hell. I never, I never did find the infrared glasses as well. Did you not? Oh, they're super handy there. Instead, in the um the basement level two, the armory. Instead, it was just cigarettes to see the lasers. That was all I did. Ah, okay. Yeah, I I used the cigarette to get past the uh the the infrared. Um, uh, I I used the cigarette as well. Um, just because I knew I'd be going back to there later, so I could pick up the um the infrared goggles later on. Uh, instead of just using them for that bit, the cigarettes are great anyway. I I always just used to like getting onto a onto a corner, pulling out the fag. It just looks cool, doesn't it? He just looks cool when he's standing there, even though surely they could smell it. But maybe maybe they just don't have the genome splicing for scent. Maybe it's just not important. Who knows? They are defects after all. Just going off what Spencer was saying there, this is one of the things the game really excels about, though, is that there's no real set way of doing things. And you can do things in quite different ways. You know, you know, we've, we've got through two boss fights and we all have kind of approached them quite differently. And I think as we go down the list, that's going to get even more different, right? And I, I love that about the game. It's not just a set, well, it is a set route. It is quite linear, in my opinion, with this game. Um, but the way you approach, approach the boss fights can be quite different. Yeah, I, I totally echo that. I think that's the thing about it is that it's much like with load of other good games that we love right i'm trying to not to say the button here because i don't want to take a shot on the next episode um like with that right like with the game that can't be mentioned you could go into a situation and you could have very different arsenals very different setups very different routes that you've taken to get around that but you're still going to the same points right and so it is a very linear experience in terms of where you need to go what you need to do to kind of progress stuff but like you said, depending on your exploration, depending on which items you've gone out of your way to locate and to find and to use your key cards and kind of memorize, oh, where is that door? 
I'm going to use my scope and check out that faraway door. Oh, it's at level four. Okay, I'll come back here later. I'll try and remember that. I, I think that really can change how you kind of approach different scenarios and kind of your advantage for certain bosses and, and, and others. Um, but speaking of bosses, let's move it on to the next one on our list. And it's one of my favorites. We get an amazing section where you open a door, you hear a... And you just see dead, dead people everywhere. And normally when you kill a guard on this, they disappear into nothing. These guys have been stapled to the walls, essentially. They're cut open, ribs exposed, blood everywhere. You see one lifted up by a katana above his head. And he just drops to the floor. And, it, and a ninja walks through the door. And you think, fuck me. Time for me to take on the cyborg ninja. Guys, what are your thoughts on that boss fight? And how did you go about it? Spencer, I want to pass it over to you first. I want to hear your experience. How did you get on with it? Right, well, Revolver Ocelot, second try. <laughs> Volk Raven Tank, first try. Cyborg Ninja, fifth try. <laughs> I died four times because that boss fight was tedious. It was long. And I thought it was quite boring as well. But it was a case of, obviously, I died once. And that first death was me realizing, oh, no weapons. Get rid of my shit. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I figured out, get rid of my shit. And he he dropped his sword. And I was like, sick. Hand to hand. Great. I don't think the CQC in this game is very good, personally. <laughs> it's not Smash, mate. Yeah. It's definitely not Smash. It's definitely not a game that could be made today, I'd say. A lot of the time, you land your first punch. That's great, yeah. Then they have iframes, and your attacks just miss. And they might do, like, a counter blow. That counter blow does, like, 12 times the amount of damage you just got for your one hit that landed. I, I love that you're probably working out the frames and stuff like that. It's it's not a fine game, mate. Just just accept no, it. No, they just flash. They flash, don't they? They, like, come in and out of freaking the world because they're invincible. And you're just like, oh, now I have to wait. And then you punch them again. You get one punch in, and for some reason your second punch misses, and then you eat another 12%. You're almost dead, and you're like, oh, my God, man. And the, it was literally a case of just having to not f focus on having fun with the game but just focus on winning the boss fight and so i just had to go into the remnant zen mode that i did before and just kind of hit him best i could back off wait for him to reset do it but then the fifth time the time i actually beat him it could be in a fucking speed run i swear to god it was a thing of beauty I was already positioned perfectly for when, you know, after you've done enough damage, he jumps and then he lands invisible in the side. I was positioned perfectly in, like, the center of the place to be like, as soon as he drops, I know where to check. When smacked him about, did it again, do it again, and eventually you just, you win. And it was a fine boss fight. The gimmick was cute. I really liked the gimmick. But it's not. It's okay. I had fun. So what about yourself, Phil? How did you go about fighting the Cyborg Ninja? Because there's multiple ways to do this. So how did you do it? So for me, Davey, and it's probably because I know how important the ninja 
Gray Fox, Frank Yeager. Like, how many names has this guy got? How important the he homie. is to the Metal, the metal Gear story, right? Deep and I, I know the ending, right? So I know what happens, and I know what happens at the end, right? And I know where he connects to different people. But going into that fight, I was like, I can't wait for this. I just cannot wait till he appears. And, and the boss fight, for me, didn't let me down. I think this is my favorite fight in the game because it is so varied. I think there's four stages to this boss, I think, if I'm calculating them correctly. And I think each one, each one, I slightly did something different. So in some of them, I use guns and a lot of them, I just use the CQC. The, one, the part I quite liked is where he's appearing around you and you've got to wait till he punches and walk away. And it's basically, you've got to guess, is it going to be up, down, left, or right? And if you walk at the right, the opposite way to the punches, then you can punch him back and you always take the, then he takes the damage. And I find that really interesting. There's a way to kind of get around that a little bit easier. If you, if you just wait for him to appear and just run through him and you just, you're on the other side of him and you just, you absolutely just annihilate him for that. That's literally what I did. Yeah. But for me, I was basically trying to guess which, where he's going to appear and do his punch. And then I would go the opposite way and then come back and then I'd beat them, right? No, I, I, I think um, the, the bit that always fucked me on that, and it fucked me this time, I need died from it actually, is, is it the, you know, the final stage. No, it's the final stage where he just teleports and he's like, ah, like powering up, right? Where he's like going crazy. That bit, he just like appeared next to me. I was like, what the fuck? Boom! And just like totally obliterated my health. I just survived it. I was like, holy shit. And then I was on tender hooks then throughout that last bit of it. Um, so what were your, you said, you mentioned about your using guns and stuff like that. Which parts were you able to use your, your weapons on? I'm trying to think now. So it was definitely the CQC when he was appearing in different points. I think the point where you're talking about, I had the weapon to be able to shoot him. And that was the way to get him out of his kind of, um, era of effect, if you like. Uh, I think early on, I think I was trying to shoot him, but then went to CQC. Then he drops his weapon. Then you both go to CQC. So the vast majority, I think, was CQC, actually. Yeah, I, for me, I did it two ways. I've done, it, I've done it both ways now. First way, cheesed it with chaff grenades. Shitload of chaff grenades just totally just makes him stunned. Pull out the famas, absolutely blast the fuck out of him, right? Do that. When, when you put down a chaff grenade, doesn't he just go on one knee and then he becomes basically invincible though? Only if you get there too late. So you can get a hit off on him, and then, but you only get one. So you've got to make it count. Now, I tried everything to try and experiment on this. I tried sticking him with C4. I put claymores around the place. I tried kind of everything to think, right, well, how can I do this? And it doesn't really work out too well. So I beat him the first way um, with weapons. It took actually quite a long time. And a lot of chaff grenades. And it was actually a little bit clutch when I did it. And I thought, ah, uh, I could do that better. And then I just did it CQC way. And the CQC way is better. It's way more fun. It turns into just a really, really enjoyable boss fight. And like you said, Phil, the moments where all you're hearing is like, that music. And you're trying to find him around the area. Fucking love that. I absolutely love that. Now, if you've got the, um, if you've got the thermal goggles on that point, it becomes like nothing else it becomes super easy you just find him in the environment go and just beat the absolute living shit out of him but i didn't have them on that part of the game uh on my playthrough on this time and so i just really enjoyed going through and just and just playing it like i would have done on my first ever playthrough and i 
I'd loved it. I, I totally agree with you, Phil. I, I thought the boss fight is one of the best in the game. So for you boys, obviously, you're playing it kind of like on a perfect version of the game because you're playing um, on your PS1 Classic, I believe. Uh, you're playing it emulated. I'm playing it on a CRT and an old PlayStation, which sometimes flickers. And it flickers quite a lot at really important times, right? I don't know if it's the SCART lead or what's going on. Is it just old, I guess, right? And it's losing a bit of connection. Um, but I remember getting halfway through that fight and he got to the bit where he was invisible and running around. And I was like, oh, there he is. I know where he is. TV starts flickering. So I bang on the table as hard as I can, right? Because that usually sorts it out. That's how you sort these TVs out. Back in the day, you just give it a whack and then I'm dead. That's, that's what I had time. to deal with. So that's probably why I'm on 13 hours, mate. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'm at a disadvantage. disadvantage. You just can't <laughs> see for half of it. Like. <laughs> Definitely couldn't. <laughs> Honestly. That makes it a whole other type of uh, of stealth experience, that is, when you just can't see for half the frames, which doesn't work. Please work. <laughs> I played my game on normal, but I played it with extra hard hardware. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you did. Because it was a level of difficulty using it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that PS1 pad I was using is fucked as well. <laughs> Jesus Christ, talk about giving yourself a disadvantage. And speaking of disadvantage, Spence, you must have had a nightmare with the next boss on the list because we are at Psycho Mantis. So how did you get around this boss fight playing on an emulator? Because obviously you can't just switch controller ports too easy. Yeah, well, funnily enough, my PC doesn't have ports <laughs> i'm using usb if i unplug my usb and put it into a different usb it doesn't quite work the same as it would on a ps1 so i just died and then died and then died and i was thinking jesus christ this sucks and i knew i've done this boss fight before as well when i emulated it before and i figured out a workaround and i think it was i paused the emulation unbound the controller rebounded the port too and did it and it worked but this time i was just like surely imagine imagine my port 2 was fucked on my ps1 you only have two ports if it's fucked surely there's a workaround and it turns out if you die enough times there is a workaround and i found this out prior to me being able to do it but i had to wait and that's basically there's two statues on the east and west side sides of the room and if you've died enough times because i tried this and it doesn't work but if you've died enough times the colonel um calls you on the codec and says snake is there a reason you can't use port 2 <laughs> and then he explains maybe if you take the masks off the statues if you smack them off he'll be distracted by the ugliness of his own face <laughs> So you do that, you break the statue's faces, and then it messes with his mind, and it works as if you were in port two. So that's how I did the boss. And then it was a piece of piss. Isn't Kojima incredible, right? To break the fourth wall with that, and then to understand that sometimes you might not be playing on a PlayStation, right? How did he know that we would somehow emulate these games where you couldn't have a port two? How incredible is that? And there's later boss fights, which I'll touch on when, once we get to them, which he does exactly the same thing for different hardware. And it's incredible that it exists. And that's what gets me excited about this game. Sorry, carry on. That's fine, mate. No, it is great. The one thing I'm upset about with this boss fight is that because I'm emulating it, I had no prior save data. 
So he couldn't do that trick on me. And also, I didn't have rumble on. So when he says, put your controller on the floor and watch me move it with the power of will alone. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My pad didn't move. I put it on the floor and everything. I was gutted, to be honest. I was actually quite, quite upset. I was like, oh, that's a shame. So your memory was completely clean then, Spence. That's it what he was. told you. Yeah, it's true. Now, I remember playing this as a kid, and my experience as a kid was just full-blown wonder experiencing this because I had a full memory card full of different games, and, and I was also saving all the goddamn time. So he was like, oh, you like to stay, you like to save often. You're a coward. And like just talking shit to me. I remember all this as a kid. I have my rumble on my controller, put it down, just getting like it going all nuts and just fucking uh, just being blown away. And especially the parts where in that game where it goes, ah, cho, 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 and then your screen goes black and you get Hideo in the corner. And as I was a kid, I was like, what the fuck's he doing? I was like, what's going on, right? And I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe this was happening. Now, playing it through, after seeing all the gimmicks and stuff, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what to do. This boss fight's a farce. But I absolutely adore this boss fight for how much creativity has gone into it. Being able to have it say, oh, so you're a fan of Azure Dreams. Um, and, oh, you like the games of Castlevania. Doing all this stuff just blew my fucking mind as like as a kid, and it stayed with me all this time. So hearing his hearing him and the the Meryl parts where she's like take me snake with like the gun to her head, it's like so fucking so fucked up, and it just freaked me out as a kid, like really freaked me out. And even now, I was like Jesus Christ, I don't want to beat the fuck out of Meryl. So I was like, oh, I'll just stun grenade her. But I remember as a kid, I used to just you know fucking judo slammer all over the place. I didn't think about a stun grenade, so I just judo flipper all over the place and um would just hate doing it so for me this boss fight 10 out of 10 boss fight i fucking love it i love every single part of creativity that's gone into this love it and i suppose you liked vandal hearts as well did you davy never had vandal hearts <laughs> never had vandal hearts because there was no. four different games wasn't there that um psychomantis can read on your memory card if you're playing the original ps1 game um but if you're playing twin snakes um it actually says something for smash brothers uh spence the original so uh that's quite interesting as well well that's uh that's uh one point for twin snakes then it's the only point i'm gonna give it <laughs> so what about yourself phil how did you get on with this boss fight how did you find it did it bring back a wave of nostalgia for you like it did for me so i touched on my tv issues and every time i got the flicker what would happen is you get the green direct input uh line so you can switch from kind of uh normal av to um scarlet on the on the sony crt but when it switched and it said hideo and it said it in the so because it's a Sony CRT, so it said it in the Sony font, and it's in it was exactly the same place. I was like, I've totally forgot this happened. This is incredible, and I literally lost my shit just at that point. It was oh, I was just stunned by it. Honestly, I I cannot believe that that is a thing still to this day, because you just haven't seen it repeated, right? It's not something that every game now chooses to include. And there's lots of stuff that Metal Gear probably was the first in doing that you've seen in subsequent games. The same as 
when we talk about like old games like Half-Life, you see it reiterated, all these classic things that happen. But all this break in the fourth wall that Hideo has done, you don't see very often. And when it happens, it's just chef's kiss. Well said. Absolutely well said. And so moving on from that, Psychomantis obviously does his speech, tells you about how he hated his father and his father hated him and burned everything down and scorched his face and asks you to put the gas mask on so he can be left alone with his own thoughts instead of everyone else's invading his mind all the time. Opens the bookcase for you, says, felt nice to do something good, and then dies. You then see Meryl getting capped in the legs by Sniper Wolf. She sees a ginger out in the field and she thinks, I'm not standing for this. Pah! And takes her out. And we see her fall down. We have to run and get the PSG-1 and engage in a long-distance sniper fight. How'd you get on with that, guys? For me, quite a straightforward one. I don't think it was too much to it. I thought it was okay. But I, I think on the weaker side for me. But what about you guys? A lady sniper, huh? There's so much sexual, like, calling her a woman. It's just weird, isn't it? <laughs> well, how often do you see a lady sniper? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> like, there's, there's so many things in it that you wouldn't be able to do now, I don't think. Right? I think Snake's whole thing, he's a proper, like, ladies' man. Like, literally every single woman he cracks on, literally every single one of them. Even the Russian lady who just talks about weapons, he still has a crack on on her. And she's only in it really for like the first half of the game because later on she just disconnects from there. He literally, everyone's getting it. Mei Ling gets it. Naomi gets it. Sniper Wolf gets it a little bit. And even though Otacon is, he's fucking tamping with that. Mine with Snake coming on to her. He's tamping. That's why he doesn't give him the the sneaking suit. He definitely had a spare one. He's like, no, fuck you. You can do it yourself, mate. Um, And then... Of, of course, Natasha as well. She gets it too. So yeah, ev everyone gets it. It's fair. It's fair across the board. Literally, no, nothing to it. It's just Snake. He's just, a, he's a ladies' man. And the ladies love him as well. They're all like, oh, I'll come see you after the mission, Snake. Literally everyone, like, it's well received off most people, isn't it? Right, throughout the game. Yeah, oh yeah. And and the only one that he really grows to to be more than just cracking on is of course, the main girl, Meryl. But we'll talk more about the kind of individual characters a little bit later on. So yeah, Sniper Wolf fight. Phil, how did you find that first section, that first encounter with her? Talking about Spencer's mines, I think I got blown up by the mines just before that fight. And I remember hating that because I didn't remember it happening. And I just walked, because it, it kind of tracks a little uh, like path through the mines, doesn't it? I think she walks through before she gets capped. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I just remember this. This is obvious, right? Did it. Got got caught by the bombs straight away. So I was uh, pretty annoyed going into that fight. Um, but yes, it is uh, probably on the weaker side. Um, but it means a lot because, you know, emotions are running high, right? Your girl's just gone down. And you're just like, who the fuck's this? Who the hell is this? And you've, you've got to out-snipe the sniper wolf. It's a good fight. I quite enjoyed it, to be fair. As, as poor as it is, technically, I quite enjoyed it because of the emotion that was attached to it. Yeah, you do feel like getting that PSG1, you feel like there's a fire under your ass. Like, I've got to get back. I've got to get back for Meryl. 
She's like, leave me, snake. He's like, Brawl. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going, I'm gone, I'm gone. Get in the back of the truck, cardboard box, get there, get back here. Yeah, I was fucking fire lit under my arse straight away, boys. Spence, what about yourself? How did you find this one? Um, well, this is the one situation where the mines actually didn't fuck me at all. Because Meryl does clear the path. She literally goes like forward a bit, then right all the way, then up, and that's the end. It's simple. But I was screen sharing this on Discord and I thought it'd be funny if I just ran across and died. And I just ran across and no mines blew up. I must have perfectly gone in between two mines. Because I was fine. I ran straight up and just didn't explode. And I was like, what the fuck? What a stupid thing. Well, you can, just from where Meryl gets shot, if you just hug the right wall, you, there's no mines there. So you just run along the right and, and you're totally fine. So to get in from the, from the door when you come in, you, obviously you follow her path to get to her first. You kind of feel like you have to. But then after she gets capped, just, just hug the right wall and just oh, whoop. After she got capped, I always just ran straight through the middle. Every single time I went past and not once did those mines hit me. That's wild. That is wild. I never did that. I'm not that big of a big of a balls on me, mate. I was just like, nope, I'll go around the side. I know I'm safe there. Yeah, I don't know how I managed to get away with that. But that is where my biggest issue with the game, which was a fault of my own, came in. Because then I had to find the sniper rifle. And I was calling Otacon. He was like, yo, there's one downstairs. And I went downstairs, couldn't figure out how to get there, called him again. He's like, I told you. This one downstairs. And at this point, I called him six times. He's like, mate, fucking come on, snake. I've told you enough times. You know exactly where it is. You've got the right key card. Hurry up. Meryl's fucking dead. And I... <sighs> Looking for that sniper was the bane of my life. I I was done with the game. Spence, something just to add. Um when it's the when it, when you're interacting with the people on the Kodak, if you do ring them too many times, they do get annoyed. Did you ever ring Mei Ling too many times and not save? I didn't. I never called her about saving. Because she gets pissed off. She basically starts ignoring you. She comes back with just dot, dot, dot. She refuses to save for you after a while, yep. doesn't she? If you just keep going, she just refuses for you to save. She oh just stops it entirely, yeah. It's excellent. That's crazy. That's great. But no, I, I never did anything like that. But um, the fight, it was, I finally got the sniper rifle. As soon as I got there, I was like, all right, I know my way back. It's fine now. It's solved. Got back there. I didn't do the cardboard box trick. Just made my way there. Didn't take long anyway. And then the boss fight itself, it, it's just a piece of piss. You just lay down next to the wall. Shoot her in the head. Using a diazepam, keep your arms straight. Stop freaking swaying. And that's it. That's all it is. And then you get to the end and she's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you get and then you get into the bane of my existence. The mashing. And I wanna pick this up. I know it's not a boss fight, but I wanna pick this up. So we get to that point where we've beaten Sniper Wolf. The fight's over. We walk up following a trail of blood. And then we go to go through the door and a security camera out of nowhere catches us and we're caught red-handed by Sniper Wolf and taken into a cell to be tortured by the man himself, Revolver Ocelot. Now guys, this is the part of the game where 
This is the main choice between which kind of ending you have, either being a good ending where Meryl lives to live another day, or she dies, depending on how well you do. Now, Spencer, I know how good you are on the mash. How did you get on with the torture? And did Revolver Ossart think you were using a cheat? I thought he would, <laughs> but he didn't say anything about it, so I'd imagine not. But obviously it, it's like a second, and then it ticks, and you lose a bit of health, and then a second, and it ticks. There was never a point where it ticks, and I wasn't at full health. I was always straight back to full health. And I, I thought you might struggle with this, because when it's on the long part, my arm was aching. But it's fine. I'm, I'm an expert masher. My name is Mayo Platinum. So I knew it'd be a piece of piss. But the issue with it, and I know this as well because of obviously, Phil, you sent a screenshot in the MPS We Trust chat. My mate Dan said, oh, if you submit, you just don't have to do it. Oh, Jesus. So you got the autocon ending. I got the autocon ending. We're, we're buddy buddy on the snowmobile when he gives me the suit, the stealth suit. Oh, and I, I saw Phil's screenshot as well. So I thought, I was thinking, what what did I do to get to this point? Why have I not got the Meryl ending? And then I, I realized when you were saying it then, I thought I fucking hit submit, didn't I? Oh, Jesus. You would have had, after that first bit, you would have gone through two more torture sections and it gets progressively harder. Uh, and the last one, oh my God, I only just did it. I literally survived with like a fraction of health. One more tick and I would have been done on the last run. I was absolutely cacking it. I was sat there. I tried loads of different methods. I was doing this, like absolutely like two fingers, like just mashing it like this. I tried tried this this technique where it's like load of fingers all, all mashing on the circle button. And I struggled. I struggled. I somehow did it. But I remember when I was a kid and I played that through, I died. I died on that first time. And that it wasn't. I had to keep I had to keep replaying the game until I eventually could mash fast enough. And I only just did it now, this many years later. So I obviously got the Meryl ending, I got the good ending. Phil, we know you got the Meryl ending, but how did you get on with that mashing? Did you find that as much of a struggle as I did? Um, so I was as as everyone knows so far in this podcast, um, I was on the original hardware and the uh, circle button's pretty sticky on my pad. Um, so <laughs> it, it, it was a bit of a mission getting through that. Um, but I, I, I managed to do it after a few tries. Um, I, did, I didn't go for the select. Um, I just, just went through and uh, tried to complete it with the, with the circle mash. Good job. Fair play to you, mind. Especially if, you know, you've got like a little bit of like a, like a round trees, fruit pastel lolly stuck in there from like 20 years ago, you know, and you still managed to get past that and push through. Just to give you a memory, I remember when I was a kid and I was eating I was eating a lolly, right? And it went all over my pad. And being a dumbass kid, I thought to myself, well, how do I normally clean stuff, right? And I run my controller under the tap and just absolutely fucked it. And it was fucked. And that was a, that was a Mega Drive controller that was back in the day when I was like seven or something or six. Oh, what an idiot, man. I thought you were going to tell us you licked it clean. Because <laughs> that would be some other show, I think. I think if I had, at least it would have worked, right? At least it would have worked after that. Like, the sheer amount. Putting it under a tap for, like, a minute. I mean, the pad was fucking squeaky clean after that. But it just never, never worked the same. So, please, listeners, 
If you're ever eating a lolly and it goes all over your pad, don't worry about the bees coming to get you. It's not worth breaking a pad by putting it under the tap. There is one thing to note about the fight as well, that once he kind of finishes torturing you each time, there is a period where he kind of just talks to you and you can still press circle to like up your health. So it isn't really as hard as it probably seemed as when we were when we were children. If you just kind of abuse that, it's the, the fight isn't that difficult. Yeah, what I want to ask you boys as well is um, during your downtime in that scenario where you're in your cell, and Otacon, the homie, comes through and he's like, I brought you some food, thought you'd get hungry, a bottle of fucking ketchup. Yeah, good one, mate. Did you use it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just led down, put the ketchup out. Guy's like, what the? And he comes in, judo throw his ass in the jail and get out of there. And that's, that's how I did it. That's how I did it on this occasion. I, I've kind of done it both ways. I've done it with the tomato sauce and I've also done it by kind of hiding under the bed. And like, if they see you crawl under the bed, they're like, huh, what are you doing? Right? But if they don't see you, they're like, where's he gone? And then they come in and then you can you can judo throw them away. Yeah, that's what I was about to explain. I freaking, I'd used the ketchup, but I got caught using the ketchup. So he's like, what are you doing with ketchup? You, you're just calling me an idiot and stuff. I was like, what the getting berated for trying to play dead now what's interesting guys is that say for example you did both approaches and you failed both you think well i'm just in this cell forever what happens is that cyborg ninja comes in and cuts the cell open you hear the music lights go out you wake up and he's like he's outside your cell and he's just cut it and, and and you're free to go that's how i got out is that eventually how you got out is that how you got out that is how I got out, yeah. Oh my god, Cyborg Ninja came through to save you. Great Fox coming in to save the homie. Oh my god. I, I gotta say, like, Phil, you've already mentioned it before about, like, Kojima's level of thought that's gone into this. Most games at this point now would be like, well, I hope that you've saved. Because if you haven't, you're fucked. You're just reloading a save, right? It's just over. There's, there's games now that come out on, what, the PS4, PS5, right? And you get into a position where you can't get past it. Yeah. Kojima was doing this on the PS1. <laughs> and he was imagining that we were going to play this game not on a PS1. <laughs> uh, it is. It's, it's so impressive. It's so impressive. The, the level of detail that he's gone into here by giving so many different ways that you can escape from just one moment of the game and get out. You know, like you said, do you then at that point, while you're in downtime, you just phone him around, listening to different conversations? Because there's a huge pivotal conversation here that you can have at this point with naomi and you learn a lot about her backstory and it kind of sets up what's happening with her and the kind of intrigue that's happening and and what she's done and kind of unravels the entire plot did you guys have that coded conversation at this point or did you then kind of have that force on you a little bit later very much happened later for me um because i knew how to get out of the prison um but spence like kind of imagine you were stuck in there a while if uh, cyborg ninja needed to help you out yeah i'm not sure when it happened for me if it can happen during your downtime in that cell i would imagine it did but i'm not sure exactly where it happened it's basically the conversation where naomi struck off the team she struck off the team and and uh, it's when miller's phoning you and he's like i don't think naomi's story checks out in terms of who she is where she's like oh yeah my granddad he worked for the fbi japanese guy and he's like Hmm. And then he, he phones you up later and he's like, Snake, can you take us off monitoring? He's like, I 
he was like, Edgar Hoover was extremely racist. There is no way there'd be a Japanese man working as part of his team. And he goes through all this and he sets up all this backstory. So then when you get back on with Naomi, Miller's just absolutely just tearing into her and she gets arrested. And uh, and that all happens to me in the in the downtime because I was just phoning around everyone thinking, oh, I'm just going to have some nice codec conversations. And as far as I'm aware, it didn't come up as like a forced conversation. That happened just as just a natural conversation for me. So I wasn't sure if that's something that does just get forced on you later on down the road or if if it just comes up as red and you can't ignore it, you know, as one of those calls. I, I'm not sure on that. Did you guys have that call at all in, in your games? Yeah, yeah. I, I do remember the call and I remember it coming up much later. And I, I remember the exact point you're referencing as well. Um, but you should never trust someone who wants to go into a private channel for a chat. Say it in front of everybody, surely. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to, you know, it's got to air out the, the issues and, you know, voice it off somebody else. Does that sound weird to you, Snake? Hmm, actually, yeah, it does. Let's get Naomi on the line. Let's just rip two tons of shit into her before I take my shades off. And <laughs> it wasn't me all along. Oh, Davey, I've just messaged you privately on Facebook about Spencer. So it's a private matter, just us two, okay? We'll take this off air. We'll take this off air. <laughs> We're unmonitored there. We're unmonitored there. Um, so it's pretty interesting that you guys, we've all had kind of similar experiences. We all got out in different ways. Phil getting out from underneath the bed. Spence, you getting out by the ninja. Me getting out by the ketchup, doing the classic. And I suppose that's it, really. That just goes to show the different ways that this all can play out. But we then move up to the Hind D fight. And that's our next one that we that we have. And as far as I'm aware, there's only really one way to do this, which is with the Stinger missiles. But how did you guys find this fight? Phil, let's start with yourself. Exactly the same, just with the Stinger missiles. But there is a very cool thing about this fight. So if you don't... So in the Kodak um, conversations you have, they basically explain to you that you can hear the helicopter. You can hear the Hindi, and you basically judge where it is. But if you don't have a stereo TV, he'll ring you up and tell you that you're using old technology and you're using a mono TV, and then he'll basically warn you when the helicopter's going to appear. It's incredible. This is another Kojima thing where he's gone above and beyond and thought about what technology and what TVs you're going to be possibly playing this game on in the future. Again. And, you know, that was something I didn't find out until only a few months back. I was on... Um don't know what it was on, maybe it was on Twitter or something like that. And somebody shared, this is what happens if you have a mono TV. And I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that was a real thing. It's just nuts. Like you say, it's just, it's, it's absolutely insane that they thought about that. Because that stereo sound is so important to figure out where he is. I mean, sure, you can just use the radar. And you can kind of get a good a good idea there. But the the at least with the stereo sound, you kind of get an idea of when he's right on your ass. You know, when he's right about to pop out, which is uh, something you wouldn't have had if it was just a mono TV. Especially if you're playing on the harder difficulties as well, because you wouldn't have that radar to be able to see when the helicopter is going to be popping up. So I can imagine that's why you need the sound. Because I think on the easier levels, you can just track it. So it is quite easy. Um, but definitely in the harder ones, you, you you need the sound. And if you've got a mono TV, they've thought of that. That's totally fine. Yeah, it is sick. So Spence, how did you get on with this boss fight? What do you think about it? How do you reckon it kind of sits along with the other bosses in the game? Um, well, I I used the radar. Um, I used the audio for knowing when it went down and when it came back up. And that's the only time I actually used the audio. Other than that, 
I, as soon as I heard it go down, I was on the radar. Just eyes on the radar, make sure I was looking in the right direction. And then as soon as I started hearing something, look at the screen, shoot. And then rinse, repeat, run back in the cover, wait for them to go down, do it again. It was a bit slow. It was a bit tedious. And one time, actually, I died to this boss. I, I literally killed the boss. I killed the hind. But it just didn't finish shooting. Or it didn't finish its animation, I suppose. Because he just stayed there and kept shooting after I'd blown it up. So I died and then he laughed. And I was like, what? So then the next time around, I literally did it. I didn't get hit once. Didn't take any damage from it whatsoever. Killed it. You flew off. And I was like, yeah, fuck you. Fucking liquid cunt. <laughs> so angry. So angry. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that you die on here. Because, I mean, I'm sure you would have had body armor by this point. Did you find the body armor? I think I found it right after. I don't think I had it for this boss. Did fight. you not? You would have got it in the gas chamber early on. Where you needed the Nikita missile to, like, uh, break open the electrics. Yeah, I never got it there. I got it much, much later on. Wow, that must have made that way harder. <laughs> Especially the climb up the uh, up the tower with all the guards and stuff. How, I mean, actually, before I derail it, Phil, your thoughts on the high D fight? What? How do you reckon it went? Did you enjoy it? Do you reckon it holds up now? Um, yeah, it was cool. Um, I have a stereo TV, so I listen to the sound. Um, but there is another way around it as well. Obviously, you can use the Stinger missile just to locate it, so you can kind of see where it's going to pop up. But the animation really isn't that fast, so it it would be very difficult to be able to track it when it's down, notice it go up and still shoot it without it shooting you. So that would be playing on extra hard mode. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say, I didn't struggle with this boss fight, but I just really like those moments of downtime where you're just waiting for it. And, and I gotta say, I, I was just, I was in the Nikita screen the entire, uh, Nikita screen, God, if I could take it out of Nikita, that'd be something else. I was in the Stinger missile screen the entire time. I was tracking it with the Stinger. Um, I, that's just how I've always done it. And just position myself around that crate, pop out, just shoot it, job done. I just really like that boss fight. I love this, the spectacle of it, you know, from how it starts off where you go into the tower, you're climbing your way up the tower fighting like guard after guard after guard, get to a door, that door's frozen shut, you can't go back through it, you have to keep on going. And you're like, Jesus Christ, it's like Final Fantasy Seven steps all over again. You're like going up this massive staircase Get to the top, you've got to abseil down this building while the, the hind's shooting at you, and then you engage with the boss fight. It's just spectacle, spectacle, spectacle. And I love that entire section of the game. It's just full-on action, which doesn't happen too much throughout this game, because a lot of it is very stealthy. And it's a time where you can just let loose with the FAMAS. How did you guys go about conquering that tower? So when I was getting chased by all the, um, all, all the guards, I, I was just using the stun grenades to run up. Uh, run up as soon as you see one throw one grenade down but kind of do it on a rhythmic kind of process so maybe every four kind of um turns of of the building um i would just chuck down a stun grenade and then generally i wouldn't get hit um yeah so i i didn't struggle with that and then of course abseiling you could pretty much just continually jump it doesn't really do enough damage as long as you got the body armor yeah yeah one too much of a struggle and I did the same technique as you. I stun grenaded my entire way up that. Uh, no problem at all. Just literally, as soon as one went off, I had another one. It was just, if I had epilepsy, it would have been a real struggle for me that. Because it was just flashing, flashing, flashing all the time. But didn't have any issues. 
But I remember on my first time running up that, it was fam ass all the way. Just unloading with a fam ass, running and gunning, just up every single flight of stairs. What was that? Just literally just caning everyone, doing quick reloads, you know, just pressing that R1 twice to just reload it and just keep going. But this time, just just cheaped it with the with the stun grenades. Want want too much of a fuss? What about yourself, Spence? How did you go about this uh, about this action pack sequence? Uh, I literally did it the way you initially did it. So full famas all the way up, quick quick switch, just unequip and reequip, fills the ammo, and just fucking <laughs> everyone I saw. As soon as you hear a noise, just like, huh, bang, dead. Run a bit, run up two more flights of stairs. Huh? Bang! Dead. And the blokes behind you, for some reason, are faster than you. They're like that little bit faster than you, so they gain on you. So you kill a guy, you got to turn around, and I just kind of wait. I just stand there with my gun pointed down. I'm like, yeah, come on. Come on. And I got to the top, and I went from having over 300 of FAMAS rounds to like one mag. Left, wow. Like 30. And you wonder why they're faster than you. You're literally going up those stairs with a full arsenal. You've got two missile launchers at that stage. You've got handguns. You've got, like, tons of different grenades. Of course they're going to be faster than you. There's a little bit of realism for you. I mean, he's got deep pockets, mate. He's got Mary Poppins pockets. He's just pulling anything out of there. There's some realism for you before you go upstairs and take on a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> and I've sailed out the window. 20 missiles to knock down, yeah. <laughs> one man versus one helicopter. Who is deadliest? <laughs> oh, Christ. Well, we move from being fully action-packed to then being in a snow field against Sniper Wolf. And this time it's all about your movement, your lines of sight... There's a lot more to it. It's a lot more involved. Or there's other ways of doing it. Spencer, before I share how I did it, and probably how Phil did it too, how did you go about combating Sniper Wolf? Right, well, I literally walked outside, you get shot in the chest, and then you're still out in the open, but you just take the time to crouch and be like, Articon, and just have an actual conversation, not in cover, in the snow, not moving. And I, I, as soon as I saw him crouch down, I was like, is he fucking stupid? Why did he not just dive away or something and then call Otacon? What? He's an idiot. But I literally, as soon as that call ended and he's like, it has to be her. I just immediately went prone, looked for her, found her, piece of piss. It annoyed me that she stood behind a tree. And the tree's this big. She's this big. Her arms are sticking out. You can't shoot her arms. You can't shoot her until she turns and reveals herself. Unless, I suppose, you probably run up to her and do it. It's PS1, fam. Come on. I know it is. But I aimed. I took my diazepam. Aimed at her arm. Very edge of her arm. Nowhere near the tree. Because she's got a big right arm. I noticed. It's she's big. carrying a massive fucking gun. That gun's huge. All the time. Exactly. But it just doesn't count. It just doesn't work. I do like that if you, like... If she reveals herself and you shoot the tree, or if you miss, it alerts her. And she's like, oh, fuck. And she freaks out. That was sick. But that's the only time I miss. What about yourself, Phil? How did you get on with this? I equally find it funny that you take a call, basically, out in the open. But we all know um, when, you're on, when you're on the Kodak, you're invincible. That's totally fine, right? No one can touch you because it pauses time. Just like when we do this podcast. You know, I'm going to walk back downstairs and it's going to be six o'clock. I'm going to watch the football. Exactly. It's just it's just what happens. I always just imagine it's kind of in like his head. 
like it's his nano machines talking that's how i always imagine it that it's something that you know it, it's obviously vibrating his inner ear and he'll be like really stealthy but he'll be like what like shouting shit so i always imagine you know you'd be like in the middle of somewhere like really like quiet like in a corner in a box you phone Otacon. he's not like yo Otacon, um there's something going i need your help me please help me out he's like Otacon, you need to get here now there's something happening now get here now Otacon. And uh, and so I always imagine it's just the nano machines. It's just this like kind of mind to mind future tech stuff. You know, that's how I see it. Uh, well, it needs some explanation because later on, when he walks into, I think the it's Revolver Ocelot and Liquid Snake. They're having a conversation. He's just stood outside on his Kodak. He's like, Otacon, <laughs> something's going on here. How do I sort them out with the key cards? Yeah, he's like, yeah, he literally, he's like straight by the door and he's like loud as fuck as well. They're here. They've got the codes. They've got the fucking codes, boys. It's go time. It's fucking go time. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be in his head, surely. Surely. It's got to be. Anyway, Sniper Wolf, right? As soon as I've got over that, I pick up the ration. I crouch in the corner and I just Nikita her over and over and over again until I realize I've only got six Nikita missiles and she needs seven. Then I think, oh, let's try a bit of sniping. It's Sniper Wolf. Let's try and snipe her out. Crouch down, get shot. Crouch down, get shot. Crouch down, get shot. Crouch down, shoot, killer. And that was the fight. Did it in one. My fight, very similar to yours, except I had all the Nikita rounds I needed. So I literally just sat in that corner, Nikita... It doesn't seem to run out of juice for forever. So I'm just going up and down that snowstorm trying to find her, hit her. She's like, Ugh! and I'm like, throwing it out and just doing it over and over again. And she's never like, this fucking Nikita. She's like, what is going on? Like, never. She's just like, <laughs> taking it. What I can't understand is that some bosses can shoot Nikita missiles. Her, a trained sniper, just doesn't even see them until it's too late. They're coming from the they're coming from the corners, mate. They're coming from the corners. You're never flying straight at her. Or I would never. Well, was. she's scoped, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. I, I, she never shot any of mine. I don't know if she shot any of your bullets, boys. No, none of mine. Didn't happen. No, none of mine. But I, I really, I really like that that boss fight gives you options. You got choices. You can also, if you have got stinger missiles, you can also stinger her as well. Could you? Uh, yeah, you can do. Yeah. Does that, it lock on? Yeah, yeah, you can lock on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I, I never had any stinger missiles left at that point, so I was like, oh, never mind. Or I had like one or two, and and I knew the Nikita trick. I I just that's always that's, I've done that for ages. So I was just like, yeah, Nikita. It, it does make the boss battle a farce at that point. You you literally cannot lose doing that. But um, it's how I beat Extreme back in the day. So I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll just do this again. I know it works. But again, it's those kind of choices that Kojima makes and and gives you as a player that there's multiple ways that you can come at this. And uh, and I do really respect that boss fight. I really, really enjoy it. And as I've already said, the ending kind of monologue and, and all of Otacon's kind of sorrow that he feels, the theme that's playing, all talking about love on the battlefield and how it blooms. And Snake's kind of, we walks and he does like a half cop turn. Oh, I loved all that. I was like, yeah, this is so fucking dope. There's a bit in the dialogue where he basically just puts Sniper Wolf down. He's like, you're pretty good if you can hit me in the storm. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> just being really down against her. He's like, well, well done. You must be good. 
pretty she sure cracks me up. She just ain't. She ain't the, uh, the the genetic clone of Big Boss, mate. So she ain't doing. She ain't holding that mustard. But speaking of holding big balls and big loads of mustard, we go on to the big dong himself, Vulcan Raven. And this boss fight is a wild one. There's so many different ways you can go about doing this. Spencer, obviously you said that you loved Vulcan Raven's death scene and walking away with the crows feasting, the crows, the ravens feasting on him. But before we get to that, there's a section on the lift where there's ravens all around you. Did any of you guys punch a raven? No, no. I tried to, but it didn't work. I did. I punched loads of them. And what happens is you get into that boss fight and he's like, how dare you kill my friends? And he's talking about his, like, his ravens. How you just like massacring them. I was, I was smacking all of them. They'd all land. Just give them a, a, a quick two punch kick. Straight away, they fly off or fall off the lift. And then he gives you a bit of a berating because you're killing all his little buddies. But if he let me kill him, he would have survived throughout that because he wouldn't have been eaten to death by them. So it's uh, it all comes full circle. The circle of life. You get punched to death on a lift or you get eaten by crows. That's your, that's your, <laughs> that's, that's how it works. That's the circle of life, baby. So, that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> it is, it is. So how did you go about fighting this guy then, Spence, seeing as you seem to really enjoy this character as a whole? This fight for me was literally just run away, pull out the stinger, wait for him to come around the corner, blammo. And that was literally it. Yeah, that's that's certainly one way of doing it. That is one way. What about yourself, Phil? How did you go about doing this? Well, we're doing a roundup of Metal Gear. And you have missed one of the most iconic parts of this video game. The thing that repeats is the biggest trope of this video game. We see it in the game that cannot be mentioned. We see it in Half-Life. All these classics have this thing in a game. It's the sideways lift, mate. It's a classic, it's a video game classic. All good video games have sideways lifts and this is no different and I enjoyed it. And they've actually got two sideways lifts. There's one where you get attacked and then there's one with the Ravens, as you said. How did you miss that out, mate? That's that's fair. That is true. Maybe that's a trope that I've just never picked up on. In all the games that I love, they've got to have a sideways lift. Maybe that's something now that as we go forward through this spoiler cast from the past discussion, does it have a sideways lift or not? Maybe that's the differentiating factor between the enjoyment of the game. There, there could be something to that. Sideways lift, a countdown where it blows up at the end, and a rating. Yeah, okay. Metal Gear Solid does all three. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a winning formula if I've ever heard it. These are the formula. If I'm ever going to make a game, I'm including those three things. That's a, a back-of-the-box quote, that is. You know, where it's just like... <laughs> it would say, like, Philip Hoy, IGN, and it would be just like... It'd just be like, sideways lift. Uh, sideways lift. Punching crows. Like, five different things. Or countdown at the end. Ten out of ten. And uh, you've got to have them, got to include them. What more do you need? What more do you need? So, how did you go about fighting this absolute monster of a man? Well, I did it very differently to uh, Spencer, which was uh, quite interesting. I just went for the C4 and Claymore approach and let him kill himself. I literally ran like a little pussy. 
I put down my bombs and ran away. <laughs> I was like, see you later, sucker. Boom. And you, you just see all the different boxes fall down and you just collect more mines and you collect more health. And the boss is super simple, man. Super simple. I did a kind of a mixed approach between both of you. So I started off and I made a little wall. I made a wall full of C4, made a wall full of claymores. And then I sat around the corner with a Nikita. And I literally just went round, a long way round, and got him in the back. And just did all three. And he was just going, getting blammed by Nikita. Iframes, we're off. Detonate a C4. He comes to chase me, walks into a claymore. Rinse and repeat. Super, super easy. But what I really liked is, I liked that moment just before he caught up to me. He's got a massive cone of vision. And to be like, what? set my traps, set my traps, right? And just trapping everything. And he's like, you are a brave warrior. I'm like, bro, I haven't even seen you. I've literally not <laughs> even seen you this boss fight. I've been a bitch. <laughs> but I, I, I loved all that. This is one of the bosses that can actually shoot the uh, Nikita missiles as well. So if you do go into his cone of vision, he will shoot them. Um, so you do need to go, go around the back. And he's very quick to be alerted as well, uh, Vulcan Raven. Yeah, he don't, he, don't, he don't mess around. He learned from uh, Sniper Wolf. He's like, I'm not falling for this trick. Well, he's, he's not taking the tranquilizer drug that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that Sniper Wolf is taking all the time. No wonder she's lazy as fuck. She's <laughs> always on the ketamine. <laughs> she just doped out of her head. Yeah. No wonder. She can't see these missiles coming. She's like, oh, I see these all the time. Her tits are just fucking totally frostbitten because she's like, I should have worn a coat. It's freezing out here in the snowstorm. And I've been lying down for three days straight. Playing with wolves. <laughs> just playing with my wolves and having this bloke who really likes me i'm just gonna fob him off so he can feed him and clean out the litter oh trashy so that's pretty interesting we all do that easy now the next two bosses or next three bosses there isn't really any other ways of doing this really we just kind of go into the rex fight which to me is a lot of spectacle and is actually quite challenging if you stay at range and I made that mistake first. I stayed at range at first and I died to just the total missile spam that just comes at you all the time. But then as soon as I died that first time and I, I went up close, it becomes really, really simple then at that point that the fight just becomes an absolute farce. How did you guys find it? I, I really like the spectacle of it. I really enjoy the kind of building to everything. Obviously, you put your PAL codes in, you think, oh, this is it. I deactivated the terrorist threat. And then you actually activated it. And that blew my mind when I was a kid. I was like, what? I couldn't believe this has happened, right? I thought I'd save the day. And I ended up nearly destroying the world as a consequence of my stupidity and getting played by the baddies. How did you find the boss fight? And how did you find that big twist right near the end? Spence, let's start with you. Sure. Well, the twist, right. I thought I was deactivating it. But then as soon as I put in the first one and you see that big chunk of metal go down. And it's like, first pile card entered or something. I saw that thing, like the block go down and I thought, that doesn't seem like a deactivation. So as soon as I put in the first key card, I thought, nah, I know what's going on. And then once I put in the third one and it said it's activated and snake's like what i was like come on <laughs> come on that was a bit obvious it was only because of that metal chunk going in that i think i caught on 
but I, I figured that twist out before it happened. Um, but it was a cool idea, and I did like it. In terms of the fight itself with Rex, I died the first time because I tried staying at range and died to the missiles. Exact same shit. But then you get close, pull your stinger out, wait for him to turn around, shoot it, run close again. And it was literally that, rinse, repeat. And that was it, really. It did look stunning. And Metal Gear Rex, in my opinion, is the best looking thing in the whole game. That Rex looks awesome. Actually looks amazing. I couldn't really believe it was on the PS1. It's like the tech demo they showed with the dinosaur. It's the equivalent to that. But it was sick. It was actually great. I really, really enjoyed that fight. I think that fight and the Vulcan Raven second fight are kind of tied for best fight in the game for me. Probably that fight wins because of Spectacle alone. But in terms of the enjoyment for the fight, they're about even. And what about yourself, Phil? How did you uh, how did you find this fight? How did you feel going back to it after all these years? Picture me. 13, 14-year-old Phil. Got this game Metal Gear Solid. I've probably played a bunch of hours to be able to get to see what I actually wanted to see within the game. I wanted to see Metal Gear. I wanted to see this Transformer, this Gundam, this big robot take over. And yeah, it's very, very cool. But the fight itself is piss poor. The only reason I died in this fight was because Rex walked backwards and walked into some containers who killed me because they exploded. <laughs> that was the only reason, because I was trying to stay under his legs because I knew the tactic, right? It was the only reason I died in that, that fight. And it is boring. It's, it's super long, and I found the whole fight boring because I wanted it to be so much better, right? Rex, he's got all these fucking guns on him, and he looks so awesome. And what's he actually shoot at you? He try, Well, what's his attacks? He tries to stand on you. He's got a laser between his legs and a couple of missiles. And a machine gun. Well, maybe I didn't stay at range then. He shoots, yeah, he shoots It's you not at... much, is it? It's not much compared to what you expect from it. You want to get shot by the machine gun. It does fuck all, especially with body armor on. I was like, yeah, take the machine gun anytime, any day. Shoot me with that machine gun no, as many times as you want. Pepper me, pepper me, baby. Because I just wanted just to spam that fucking stinger into him. It literally, it does fuck all and goes in a straight line. And that is it. You literally, as soon as you see this machine gun, you just step one step to the side, pull out your stinger, and you're like, safe. <laughs> Bang. And he, he looks really clumsy when he's walking as well, when he's like stepping back and then you try and step under his foot, like close to his foot. And when he walks, he doesn't actually crush you. It's only when he stamps on you that it'll do damage. So you can literally walk underneath his feet. And if he stands where you are, he'll push you aside. It's The fight is really disappointing for me, unfortunately. That that's the th the thing for me with this fight is seeing the spectacle with Gray Fox and seeing him make his last stand, seeing him jumping about the place with his gun, and and kind of getting his whole his old kind of path that he's been on with him and Naomi's relationship, which has been slowly unveiled to us over the course of the game, and getting that come full circle. I loved all that. I love that moment where they're in that cutscene behind the box talking about stuff. That's the thing for me. That's what this fight, this boss fight is for me. It's not so much with Rex. It's just him and seeing him get, you know, crushed. Ultimately, seeing him get his arm chopped off and then crushed. And it's so, I, I just love that. And I love that character. That character design on that ninja is just incredible. And so seeing him go out like that, just 
crushed me as a kid. Absolutely crushed me to see him go out like that. And even now, seeing all the, the electricity and then for Liquid to fucking take the piss out of him. Uh, straight after crushing him, he's like, oh, what a shame, or whatever he says. I'm like, you bastard. I'm like, you're going to fucking die for that. I, I loved all that. I absolutely loved that part of it. The spectacle, as you said, is amazing. And there is a freeze frame, which I want on my wall from that fight. It's the point where Metal Gear comes up and it's like, it's Snake looking up to Metal Gear. And it's just awesome. If I was on some kind of... um you know, if I was playing it on PC or some way of capturing it, I would have definitely screenshotted that. Or I'm sure it's out there on the internet a million and one times. But that point, I was just like, oh my God, this looks so incredible. And the fight itself, as I said, I'm very disappointed with it. It's very boring, very linear. And it takes for age, it takes ages to it. There's not much variety. But the spectacle, as you said, and the implications of Rex uh, and how it fits with the story and everything else that goes along with it i absolutely love as well so it is it's bittersweet definitely that fight for me i will say the thing the thing that bothered me with that fight is that obviously you've you've already fought liquid you fought him in the hind and you blasted that hind with maybe 15 20 stingers and it crashes it falls down a magnificent height he's fine of course he's fine it's liquid snake he gets in metal gear rex the canopy's open. You shoot that with 15 to 20 stingers right in the mouth, right on his human face or his clone fucking octoplet face. He's fine. He's Mate, fine. he's eating rations. He loses his shit. He's eating rations and they're not frozen this time. It's just... You think after that Rex fight, you're like, surely this time he's dead. Is he? <laughs> no. <laughs> Brother, you'll fight me on here three minutes until detonation. And obviously on yours, Spence, Meryl's fucked, isn't she? And she obviously doesn't get up, so you get that really sad cutscene of where she just, she's gone, uh, which is awful. I remember having that for my first time through the game, and oh, Jesus Christ, I was just gutted. I didn't know why. Why was she dead? Why didn't she survive? But I got my boy, my boy, Hal comes out with me in the end and and everything's peachy on this playthrough obviously we get a massive climactic fight on the top of metal gear rex which at the time was sensational now he kicked my fucking ass i died to that boss fight about four times before i actually beat him he beat me more than any other boss and it was all because i thought i'm gonna be really clever with this i'm gonna duck when he goes to punch me, I'm going to duck under it, right? And then come up, like, da na 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 just pop up. <laughs> no. He just fucking roundhouse kicks you. So you can't do any of that. It's just literally a case of pot-shotting him, running away. Just like you said, Spence, with the issues you had with the Grey Fox fight, I found that here. This is where I had the issues with the, with the melee combat. And I just wanted to judo throw him off and stamp on his fucking fingers when he's hanging on. Why couldn't I do that, right? Instead here, I just flip him off, and all it does, it just delays the boss fight ending, because it does no damage. So, I thought, as much show as it is, and you get a big plot dump at that point, you get a lot of exposition, you get a lot of really key dialogue, and a lot of character motivation, 
and a lot of story about what's happened with Snake and Liquid and Big Boss. All that, how Les Enfants Toribes, how all that has happened. The boss fight these days doesn't hold up. I love the spectacle. I just wish there was a little bit more to it than what there was. And partly that could just be the fact that Liquid kicked my ass. He is the superior clone. Ring, 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 ring. Hello, Smash community. Davey got beaten by Liquid Snake in Metal Gear 1. Don't invite him again to tournaments. He ain't playing fighting games. Four times. <laughs> Can't believe it, mate. Cannot believe that from you. Absolutely sourced me, mate. You're famed for the flashy, you know, ultras. Yeah. What's happening to you? It was just punch, punch, kick. Done. I just wanted, I just wanted to fucking launch him off it. I just wanted to launch him off it. And instead, I was just rushing it too much. I was just going in. I was like, I don't care if you're going to hit me and you're going to dodge me. I'm not going to fucking move. I'm going to duck under your punch. I'm going to come up and smack you in the face. And no, you just get triple punched and then kicked in the chest and then thrown off. And he's like, ha ha, is that all you've got, brother? Then I'm like, oh, you bastard, I'm going to fucking kill you. It's not Ryan Hart, mate. You can't uppercut him. No, no, I just got sourced. I got sourced. So you got through it without any problems at all then, Phil? Yeah, again, super simple. It's it's just punch. And then as soon as he goes into that kind of flickering mode, walk away, walk back into him, punch before he punches you. There's not much to it, honestly. As a kid, before you move on, as a kid, I can imagine hating that fight. But now as an adult, very, very simple. I loved it as a kid. That's the worst thing about it. I loved it as a kid, that fight. It's the tension, though. There's a timer. Of there course you're going to love it. The, the, the suspense. And you're at the end of the game. You've just beaten Metal Gear. You just want to finish the game. You just want to roll the credits. There's all that going into it as a, as, a, as a kid. But as an adult, you're just like, right. Let's get the car chase going then. <laughs> so, so how did you feel about, the, uh, about that climactic battle then, Spence? Okay, well, it starts, right? And you beat Rex, and it transitions into the whole cutscene of all the dialogue, massive bit of plot. And he's tied you up somehow. He's just tied you up, and you sat there stuck, having to listen to him. And all I thought was, why is he taking my shirt off? I was just like, what is going on? What His shirt's off. Sure, he's had 15 missiles. I'm sure his shirt would probably be gone at that point. What? Why is he taking mine off? Oh, this is weird. And then not only that, he's like, wrestle me, brother. <laughs> he's like, come join me on top of Rex and wrestle me. We we have a few naked people in the game as well, though, don't we? You know, there, there's certain um, Easter eggs where you can get Meryl kind of half naked um, when she's working out. Of course, you have the guy bent over after you uh, escape the DARPA chief's uh, prison. Um, so there is a lot of kind of nakedness in this game. I, I like... The, the fact that Snake's got his top off and it's like more epic. You know, it's like it's like when you watch an Arnie film, it only gets serious when he's got his top off. It's like it's like with Dragon Ball. You know that you're gonna get the power up when they got the top ripped. It's only that's the only time when you're ever gonna see like a big power up is when the top's ripped, you know it's serious then at that point. There's nothing more to give. It's just man on man in a non-homoerotic fashion on top of a burning robot with a timer it's the most epic the most epic set piece you can ever have all you need is a sideways lift 
going on the side and you've got yourself something that I can't even imagine that level of non-homoerotic tension that would have built up there. See, that's where there's a difference. Because in Dragon Ball, your shirt's ripped from the battle. In this case, he's tied you up, taken your shirt off himself, <laughs> and told you to wrestle him. There's a lot of homoerotic <laughs> stuff going on in this fight. And your brothers, your twins. It's it's not on. <laughs> Did he slam a long silver bullet as well? I'd imagine he was doing it whilst he was talking to me. <laughs> whilst he had me sat there, forced to watch him. But that aside, the fight itself, this is my least favourite fight in the entire game. It controlled like arse. If you went a little bit too close to the edge, you were gone. And he warned you as well. He's like, if you get, if you step there, you'll fall. You don't fall. It just delays. Like, it takes two seconds off your time, really. But it's just, it doesn't control well. I don't like the CQC in this game at all. There wasn't a single time where I was like, yeah, this is cool. It was horrendous. And it was the same thing with Grey Fox, where I'd hit him once, the second punch would miss, and he'd go like, ah, back at me. And I'd take six times as much damage as I did to him. And I was just like, what the fuck? Why? And it was a case of, I died probably about four times the same as you. So called a smash community for me as well. But it wasn't a fun fight. It was tedious. I tried chucking him over my shoulder and chucking him off. No damage. And then he gets up with invincibility. And I was just like, this sucks. <laughs> this fight blows. And then as soon as I did beat him, I thought, thank God I don't have to do that again. And I never want to have to do it again. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But no, I do, know what you, I do know what you mean. It certainly shows his age in that fight. And then we transition from that straight then into a Jeep chase, which as a kid was absolutely mind-blowing to me. That we're then getting onto this vehicle combat where you're on the, t on the back of a turret shooting people as you're going along, stopping at checkpoints, shooting the exploding barrels, getting through, shoot him, snake! And I'm like, just fucking drive, woman! Just drive through the fucking checkpoint! Don't leave me to shoot them when I'm getting blasted on the back of this and I can't wear my body armour! <laughs> and you just absolutely just nailing everything known to man. That aside, I really like the spectacle on this again. I really like it. And seeing Liquid just come out of nowhere, brother! I'm like, just why won't you die? He just doesn't quit. He just does not quit. And I, I really like that entire section. I think it's cool, especially the part where the camera changes and your Jeep's going along side by side and there's all the pillars in the way. And you can hear that in the sound design. It's like, woo, 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 with the pillars. I was like, fuck me. The level of detail in this game is just something else. Like, no games back then did anything like that with sound design. It, so much effort put into it. I really like it. Certainly not one of the best sections of the game, but fun and a good climactic way to kind of end the game. How do you guys think that final bit fared? Well, this is Kojima. He doesn't end games. When you think the game's going to end, he just adds another section. And then he adds another section. And then he adds another section. And this was my first introduction to this Kojima-ism where he keeps adding sections. I don't think it was really needed. You could have been done with the fight on top of Rex. And that could have been epic. And we could have been like, brilliant. That's the end. Peace out. We're out of here. Roll those credits. 
But no, there was a, a, a chase, which was pointless. They took all your ammo and everything else, so you could only use the gun that was on the Jeep. And they took all your rations, so you could only collect the two that I think they allow you. So you've got to get through that whole sequence with two rations. And ultimately, what did it add to it? It was cool, right? But ultimately, what did it add to the story? What did it add to the spectacle? If it was earlier on in the game, brilliant. It might have added something, but I think it took away. I think it took away from the ending of beating Metal Gear and beating your brother. What about yourself, Spence? I actually completely agree. I'll, I'll just say I completely agree. I That little chase, it was fun and it was nice that it was included, but it was included at the wrong part of the game. That whole Rex thing was quite an epic ending to the game and it was cool. But it, it makes sense there to be that whole thing at the end. Because obviously it's supposed to drop in bombs. They were dropping bombs and then they cancelled them. It's, it was just a pointless part. And again, Liquid comes back again. He's, he's taken 30 Singer missiles at this point. He was in an, in an exploding helicopter, in an exploding Metal Gear. You punched him in the face and kicked him enough times to knock him, knock him off of that Metal Gear. And he himself said, that a fall from here, even you wouldn't survive, Snake. Why did he? Why did he survive? Because you get the... You learn that Snake is not the superior clone. That is liquid. So if we were a liquid, we'd be unstoppable throughout that. We could just walk. We could just mosey. Maybe even crawl up that tower when we're getting shot to shit. Doesn't Snake and Meryl jump off Melgia afterwards to get down? Doesn't show how they get down. Yeah, he jumps down, and then she jumps into his arms. Don't you oh, remember yeah. that part? Oh, yeah. So it's do, like, yeah. why didn't he die at that point? <laughs> he, he was ready for it. He was ready for it. He just braced his knees. Maybe if he'd fallen off, he would have fallen off like this. Ah! Wilhelm scream. Ah! And then just straight onto the floor. This, it's, all, it's all about the landing, mate. It's all about the landing. Yeah, but then, right, not only all that, you shoot the Jeep, you shoot him in the Jeep, 30 times survives 30 bullets and then the jeep crashes it survives again <laughs> what's i want to be liquid snake liquid snake not only has he got an amazing hair but he and he's an absolute stud like he's in perfect shape looks great in sunglasses yeah and he's got a cool ass baller coat as well he can survive pretty much everything you can throw at him what i love is that moment where your jeep's crashed and you're thinking, oh, God, it can't possibly get worse. At least it's over. They're like, oh. And he's like, snake. And he comes out and he's like, Jesus, why? Why won't you die? And then the fox die comes in. Fox, die. And, and he dies. And then he just left pondering. Snake's just there pondering, am I next? When's my time going to come up? And that's how the game wraps. That's how the game ends with that question as you and Meryl ride off looking at mooses or whatever they are on the Alaskan plains. You actually get some live action as well, don't you? Some actual video to the kind of like describe what had happened there. And then you also get the, uh, I think, I think the Huskies, aren't they? Is it Huskies? I think there's like a Husky chase at the end within the credits. Oh, well, when the music's all kicking in. Yeah. Before you get the ending, 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 ending. Yeah, maybe. But, that that whole that whole thing of him coming back again that final time before dying by fox die, I love that. I love that then. I love that now. I I think the whole fox die element across this entire game 
just adds so much mystery and intrigue to the game. See the DARPA chief die right at the start, and you're thinking, what the fuck caused this? And then, obviously, Kenneth Baker falls the same way, and then you meet Otacon, and you're waiting, like, the music kicks in, like, as if he's going to die or Fox die, and he doesn't. He's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, why Why do you care about me all of a sudden? He's like, oh, no reason, no reason. I'm, I'm not gay. Um, and then just kind of just carries on, right? I love the questions that this raises with that and how it kind of ends the game with you not knowing what's going to happen to Snake and that the the message that it gives you is basically just a case of just live your life, just grasp life while you get while you get the chance and forget what your destiny is written into your genes, forget what you know living up to what your father's legacy was and all this. It's just a case of just live your life and kind of em- embrace it really. And nuclear weapons are bad, uh, and that's kind of the <laughs> and that's kind of the messages that are that are delivered throughout this game. As I said, I found that ending really, really impactful. Even now, this many years on, I really had a real close connection to it um, from an emotional standpoint. I I just loved it. I loved the the way that lines were delivered, the music that was chosen, the the scenes um, of like nature, as you say in Phil, and how it's kind of teaching you about what's happening in the world at that point with the rise of nuclear weapons and, and kind of everything. It's got like a really deep message to it. Did that resonate with you guys or was it kind of on deaf ears and were you like, do you know what? I just I just can't wait to get away from this. It actually gives you a lot of facts as well at the end, doesn't it? It gives you quite a, quite a vivid picture of what's kind of happening in the, in the world at that time. Um, but coming out of finishing that game, the only thing I could just... That, that just took over my mind was the links to James Bond. And I mentioned this before we started the cast, the whole Fox die element uh, and the kind of idea of that kind of virus that basically seeks out a chosen kind of target and that's kind of controlled by the government. It's literally, and here's a spoiler for the newest James Bond movie, it's literally the story in the newest James Bond movie. And so are you saying that James Bond has copied Metal Gear then? Because obviously this game came out in 1998. I'm not entirely sure. And obviously you're putting me on the spot on a podcast. I never want to be factually wrong with this. But I know a lot of the James Bond movies, obviously they're referenced from books. And those obviously came out around this sort of time. So who knows who copied who in this one? I'd have to fact check that one. It's pretty meta though, isn't it? To have someone who's like a stealth, sexy ladies man, ladies man secret agent see that obviously be copied and obviously if you do really well in this game you can have a tuxedo as a as a special item that you can wear throughout the game and and you have a a, like a geeky friend who gives you all this technology not named q (laughs) seeing those kind of parables between it already if it is a case that james bond has copied this from metal gear now that's so meta isn't it to copy from the thing that's influenced from you that would be mega mega meta but as you said, maybe it is the other way around. Maybe maybe Hideo borrowed this from James Bond. I'm not a massive James Bond fan, so I would certainly never pick up on that. But I, I really loved all the, all the Fox Die implementation, the way it kind of drove the story onwards, with just extra layers above and beyond just what the actual threat is. Did that resonate with you, Spence, or were you kind of just done with all that? I did. I like the premise of Fox Die. I do really like it. Not a fan of the name. <laughs> Terrible name. They could have been a bit more creative with it, um, but it's fine. I like the whole idea of it, and it was cool how early on you see it, and then obviously you learn more throughout the game, and then eventually it, it infects you yourself, and you're thinking, oh, 
like, Christ, what's going to happen? But the thing that bugged me, and it's right at the end, is just that Naomi Hunter, or who she's supposed to be, can absolutely just suck one. Because you call her, and you're literally just like, I have this, I know I have this, I'm the one who bloody brought it. Am I going to die? And she's like, just keep living, Snake. He's like, no, tell me (laughs) what's going to happen to me. She's like, just keep living. Live your life. He's like, but how long do I have left? She's like, bye, Snake. Spence, I got a quick spoiler for you. He lives a bit longer. There's a couple of games after that. There's a few games after, but it's like, why? You you do see Snake again. Why does he? Why does he, though? That's the thing. She could have just answered him right then and there, but she was just like, (laughs) (laughs) live snake he's like but i can't i'm infected she's like just live it's all right don't don't worry don't even worry about it snake it's it's totally fine it's totally cool mate don't worry i'm sure it's not gonna massively age you in a few years time don't worry don't you're totally fine for now you just carry on you absolutely carry on nothing nothing too bad is gonna happen to you in the next five years at least you're fine for then Oh dear God! Oh dear God! This is probably what they tell you with all life-threatening diseases, though. They're like, "Yeah, just live your life." Maybe that's what they tell you. Maybe. I mean, just a coping mechanism because she knows he's uh... he's not long for this world. Yeah. Maybe they just don't want him to claim on his uh, work, um, his workplace kind of benefits. You know, like you get life in service, right? Maybe he's got some kind of like payout if he gets like some life threatening illness on a mission, and they're like, oh, "We don't really. We've spent a lot of the budget here. You know, we 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 sent out a load of 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 jets to bomb this island. We just called them off. That cost us a lot. That whole Metal Gear project that we just had on the on the back burner that no one knows about that cost us billions of pounds. Don't don't tell him. Don't tell him that he's actually going to die. Just be really vague. She's like, I can't possibly sell this to him. Be like. He'll go with it. He's quite happy he's just survived this entire encounter tonight. J- just tell him you'll be all right. Super vague, though. We don't want to get sued. Okay, okay. And and that's what she does. And fair play to her. She doesn't even tell him he'll be no, all right. No, she just says, just live. She just says, live. Just live. You can tell this is an old game because one of the uh, one of the requirements, I think, um, Liquid gives to the government is that he wants a billion pounds or a billion dollars it was very Austin Powers. You could definitely put one of your memes in there, Davey. Definitely. The the biggest thing for them, obviously, is is getting Big Boss's remains. And you find out in later games why that is so important. Oh, this is something now that's kind of featured time and time again now, all the way up until Metal Gear Solid 4. It's a big recurring thing. It's about Big Boss's remains. Now, with Metal Gear, I've never played anything before Metal Gear Solid. So a lot of the story about what happened in Zanzibar, what happened with Grey Fox and, and Snake, and what happened with Snake encountering his father um, and beating him in Out of Heaven, that's obviously told in Metal, Gear, in Metal Gear and in Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, which I've never played. Um, but the briefing does give you a good overview of that story. Do you think that's partly some of the reason why you find this game quite quite kind of bloated spence you feel like in the narrative you said right at the start of the podcast that you kind of felt like some of it didn't really like kind of connect with you and you thought it was just like kind of going on a bit do you think that's why because you don't know that story i mean you might be onto something with that that might be the case but even so like nodding back to old games is a thing that every game does every franchise does 
but this game does it to the extreme and they not only try to like make a connection they find every possible connection connect it twist it break it apart reconnect it and then tell you that it was all a lie and you're just like kojima man (laughs) welcome to the rabbit hole my friend this is just the beginning of kojima it gets more meta than this to be fair like i'd never played the the three games before metal gear because of course in 1987 reading off the wikipedia it's not off the top of my head i know i seem quite intelligent here 1987 you had metal gear um you had snakes revenge uh in 1990 and then you had metal gear 2 solid snake as well in 1990 just come in there with a, a fact that i do know off the top of my head that second one you mentioned wasn't a sequel that Kojima authorized. It wasn't done by him, and it is not regarded as canon to the overall Metal Gear story. So that's why he decided to make Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake, was because they had done that. So he's like, nope, wipe that out. That never happened. So it's just, it's just those two before that are canon to this. We want to get really nerdy. That's a Davy bomb. That's a huge fact there, mate. But I'd never played any of the three before, or the, or the two that were canon. Um, so Metal Gear Solid was my first Metal Gear, and I don't think you need to play the originals to like care about Metal Gear. But I think Spencer playing it now, there's a lot of technology kind of challenges with the game, and, and gaming has moved on a hell of a lot. And obviously taking a lot of influence from Metal Gear, but going back, I think quite a lot of why I love it, and Davey, you love it, it's the nostalgia element, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of that in this. I, I can't I can't refute that. I certainly can't. So using the bosses as a talking point, we've pretty much covered off the majority of the game. There's bits that we could pull out and things like that, but we've really spent quite a long time on this, just breaking it down into the bits that we loved, the bits we didn't, why it held up, how we went about it. I now kind of want to know, guys, how you think this game holds up. Obviously, it came out in 1998, a long time ago. For me personally, it's going to be no surprise for you guys. I'm rating this a solid 10 out of 10. It's held up to me as my favorite game of all time. I loved every single moment of it. And after I finished it, after that six hours odd, I dived back in for another go. I love this game. I love every single bit of it, every single mechanic. I adore all of it, start to finish. Phil, what about yourself? This one's a very difficult one because I've got a lot of love for the game. And obviously going through our rounder for bosses, there are a couple of bosses which I don't think these days probably work so well. Um, Probably at the time when I played it as a 13, 14 year old, I would have absolutely loved it. So that would have been a 10 out of 10 from a 13, 14 year old Phil. But now as a, a 37 year old, I think it probably knocks it down slightly. But then it's boosted back up with nostalgia. It's a 10 out of 10, boys. I fucking love this game. That's what it is. Hate me. Hate me. Hate me for the nostalgia rating. But that brings it back up. Great. Great to hear it. What about yourself, Spence? I think you're going to be the outlier on this one. Yeah, I definitely will be the outlier. Um, I think the game, graphically speaking, doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look pretty at all. But it does hold up. You can see everything clearly. You know what's going on. You know your environments. You can tell what's going on. I think graphically, it does hold up, even if it doesn't look amazing. Um, the game itself does hold up as well, except it's just combat, like the controls and stuff. They aren't the best. There was one point where I was running up the stairway, and every single time I got to a corner, 
I'd just stick to the corner with my back against the wall and I'd be like, snake man, fucking keep going. There's blokes chasing us, machine guns, go. And that could just be better, I guess. So it does hold up, not amazingly. I, I, I did like the game, didn't love it. I will say confidently as well, I think it's either one of the best or the best game, or it is the best game on PS1. Because that's what games were like back then. Games were finicky and a bit janky. And this game does everything exceptionally well. It pushed all the limitations of the console. And then fought outside the box. It's amazing. It truly is. But as a game. <laughs> like I'm playing games on the PS5 now. So I kind of have to give it two ratings. Because in terms of a PS1 game. I think it is truly a 10 out of 10. But in terms of a game on the spectrum as a whole, I'd probably give it a, a 6 or a 7. But that's obviously me knowing. It's just not for me. There's too much. There's too much going on. And I will play the other ones. And I'm sure I will love the series. But there's just too much going on. It is finicky. And I do blame that on limitations of the console. Not the game itself. But I guess I just I wanted to be blown away by it and I wasn't. That's totally fair. I think at the end of the day, you're coming at this from a totally different viewpoint from us. So your experience is completely valid. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you and say, you're fucking wrong. You're talking shit. Because at the end of the day, it's it's all our own opinion and how we take things. And And you're right. There's so much of this that could be totally built in nostalgia into me. I fucking sweated this game for years i know this game like the back of my the back of my elbow right i i fucking adore every single moment of this from start to end there's something in your opinion there and i suppose that brings me on to then saying there's so many rumors going around at the moment that metal gear solid is going to be remade obviously we're all praying all of us collectively and if you're not audience if you're not praying for this then please start the blue point will come through and do this for us. That's that's what we all pray. We all want that to happen. But what do you think they need to do to bring this up to modern standard? What do you want to see changed? And what do you want to see them do to kind of improve the gameplay and presentation? If anything, Spence, over to you. First thing, immediately top of my head, make the CQC better. It was my one big complaint throughout the whole game. The CQC was dog shit in the freaking Grey Fox. And the um Liquid Snake fight. Hated it. I actually hated it. Especially in the Liquid Snake fight. CQC sucks. But I'd also like the first person view. I barely utilised it. So I'd like that to just control better. And have more utilisation. Um, and then same. That also kind of inflicts the um like the sniper wolf fights. When you're turning or like moving with the sniper, it's very slow unless you hold it for a while. I just kind of want that to control better as well. It's, most of my issues with this game are just control issues. And that is because this on a PS1. So now in a remake, I have full faith that it will make it better. But that is what I need to have better in order to enjoy the game as best as I could. And then Blue, if Bluepoint's making it, it's going to be stunning anyway. So we don't need to worry about the graphics. They're going to be paying. So I guess all I really need is just controls fixed. Fair, okay. 
So, Phil, what about yourself? What are you thinking? Well, if the rumours are true and our prayers are answered and Bluepoint take over this project or kick this project off, because maybe maybe they've started, maybe they haven't, we don't know, do we? Um, I think, obviously, they could improve a couple of the boss fights because I, I don't think those translate these days, really. Um, and if it is Bluepoint, I'd like to give them the option of bringing in a new boss to see if they could reach the heights of what Kojima has put into the game, just to give them a chance, right? Because we've talked about previous games and previous iterations and previous companies who've taken a shot. And not all of them have hit. I can I can guarantee that. But I don't want it to be literally exactly the same game, just up-res graphics. I kind of want to do kind of like the game that cannot be mentioned um, 1 and 2, kind of remake versions of Metal Gear with an extra little cherry on the top which could be an extra boss because this game is all about the bosses if they change anything else i don't really care so you're saying do it more like the um game that can't be mentioned one remake <clears throat> rather than two so one remake stayed pretty much exactly true but just added more kind of mechanics and more depth to the overall gameplay experience whereas two actually ended up cutting out quite a lot of content from it and kind of streamlining it to a certain extent but then really going hard on the kind of chase factor with 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 Mr. X being kind of the key component to that. So you're thinking of going more down the the one remake as opposed to two on this one then? Yeah, more down one. Um, but yeah, let's give them a chance. Let's see what they can bring to the party. Um, as long as Hideo obviously gives his blessings for all this. I think for me, guys, um, I, I, I'm kind of torn on this, actually. I, I really am torn on it because the issue is it's already been remade once in Twin Snakes. And... I hate it because what it did is it added Metal Gear Solid 2's level of control to the game, which is where you got first person shooting, um, where you can hold up guards and shake them for their dog tags. You can shoot out the, the cameras so that they're not a threat anymore. You've got a lot of things you could do. You can hide in lockers. You can put dead bodies in lockers. You can you could do so much in Metal Gear Solid 2, but it was all the same map design as the original game. So it just meant that it was completely fucking easy because enemies will see you in a tiny cone. You can see them from across the map and just take them out. You can just, you know, there's hardly any enemies there because of the, that kind of small levels that you have. And, and bosses weren't changed. So it meant that all these extra tools that you had, you didn't have to chase Revolver Ocelot around in a big square anymore. You could just look at him and fucking fire at him straight off, you know? You don't have to worry about sniper wolf you could just beat it with a fucking socom if you want to you know all these things were just completely thrown out it just it ruins so much the actual game so i don't know what to do i think if they're not going to keep it with they're obviously not going to keep it with the same kind of tank controls right because you're right they people i can see why people struggle with those those controls in this i think you've got to go kind of like what phil's saying and take it straight up straight up total remake total reimagining and completely kind of change how the levels are that they're similar enough that you recognize them the locations but completely reworked with whole new tools i think that's the only way that you could really do it to add that level of depth because if you add any elements in and keep the same level design you're just going to ruin the entire flow of that game because you're going to be so busted you're going to be so powerful be able to do so many things that you only have like five enemies in an area and you could 
you know, you, you could just have your way with everyone. You you need to either do it completely the same, just with slightly updated control scheme. And I don't think anyone outside of the really hardcore classic fans are going to be happy with that, judging by how your reaction to this game's been spent. <sighs> yeah, I, I think that's the only way of doing it. And, you know, like I've said before with the games that can't be mentioned with their remakes, you've always got that original one that you can go back to. And for me playing this now, I know how much that still holds up to me. So if they do this and they butcher it and it's not very good, I've got nothing lost because my favorite game is still infinitely playable for me. So that that's the only way I can see them going about doing this. You're right in what you're saying, though. Um, part of what makes this game good and good for us, that's why we give it the 10 out of 10, is the technical limitations that Hideo has overcome um by some of the the tactics that you need to adopt to be able to face the bosses and the enemies if as you said they bring it up to the twin snake standard and they give you all the tools which you would expect of a normal ps5 offering the game's going to be piss easy there's just going to be no point to it there's no challenge to it it's not going to be entertaining so it needs to be brought up to standard not only on a technical basis but it needs to adapt all the bosses the weaponry just yeah they, they they probably need to change quite a lot but they still need to stick to the roots and that's a very hard thing to do because we've seen it happen so many times where people have gone too far and the game's lost yeah and i, and I think about the ways that they could adapt like the psychomantis fight now and they could do it with with newer things that he can do right like he could start moving your haptic your your controllers like your your triggers on his own and stuff like that like he could do like Loads of cool stuff with, like, the tech that's in, like, a PS5 controller. Like, reading your SSD and going off stuff. And you could do so much with it. You could just change it so you're just all of a sudden watching Netflix. You're like, what the fuck? Like, you could just do anything, right? And, like, that's what really kind of fascinates me is, is that kind of integration they could have with kind of everything. Psycho Mantis is clearly a, a PSVR 2 boss, isn't he? They could do some wicked things with that. They'd be like, Snake, you need to put your uh, tactical helmet on now. <laughs> you could literally... like, You, you just could do think anything. The amount of stuff that you could do with him now, with the features that you've got packed into a console these days, rather than it just being on and off, which it was, you know, back then in PS1, you could now just make it switch to your home drive and then just come up uninstalling. And you'd be like, what the fuck's going on? Or like your trophy, it looked like as if your trophy data is being deleted or something to make you like, holy shit, what's he doing? You know, like you could just, the the doors could just be blown off. But I suppose it all depends on who's going to remake it and the amount of care they want to put in. Because all these little things that we're saying, like this is a big deal. This would be a lot to remake this game and put it up to modern standard. Because changing anything is going to break the way this game works so you need to totally just take it from ground up total reimagining and that ain't gonna be cheap but i think sony have got the coffers that they could do this and they could make it work much like square did with uh, final fantasy 7 you know the way that was remade it was totally different and you, you kind of have to go down that route with it but i think you can still keep the story and the codec conversations that can all remain I wouldn't want it to be a case that they're like audio background. You're hearing them in the background while you're running around. I want it to still take you into that codec, take you into that codec screen. You get 20 minutes of dialogue. I want all that still. I don't want that to change, but just the gameplay totally reworked. I'd, I'd be well down for that. <laughs> 
Would you have proper video in the Codex? A la um, um, Command and Conquer, where they have real actors. No, I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. I'd want it. That'd be hilarious. I'd I'd want it just like it is on you know MGS four and MGS two, um, where you know it's just it's just a character model speaking, and you know instead of just having like the moments where when something's happening it just like changes what the picture looks like, you know, and Otacon's like right up next to the camera, get out of this snake. It's not like that, you know. I'd want it to be just the character model speaking, um, just like it is in those later entries, but um. And I think that kind of thing wouldn't ruin the the charm of of Metal Gear Solid. But listener, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that. I mean, who knows? We got we're recording this before the game awards, so who knows? I could have my tits blown off and it could be announced there then by the time you're even hearing this. We'll have to wait and see. But guys, thank you for joining us for the first ever episode of SpoilerCast from the past. Now, as this is a new thing, we're not going to be as polished as this as we are on a typical episode. So if you've got any things that we can do to improve or anything you want to hear more from us, please write into the email, pswetrust at gmail.com. And remember, if you want to support the show, the best way of doing that is leaving a review on Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. It all helps us, and I'll really look forward to reading your reviews. Now, there are other ways to interact with the show. This podcast is no different. Uh, I'll be posting out on Reddit um, for our spoiler cast of the past for Metal Gear Solid. I'm really interested to hear what your favorite boss fights are and what you would change possibly if it's going to get its remake. And of course, we'll be tweeting out about this show as well. So feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at MPSB Trust or any of our individual Twitter accounts in the description below. If you want to tell Phil and Davey you agree, it's a 10 out of 10. If you want to tell me I'm a fucking idiot for saying it's a six or a seven, then fair play, come at me. Well, that has been it for this episode of NPS We Trust. I really, really hope you enjoyed this. I've been Davey. I've been Phil. And I've been Spencer. Take care, guys. Peace. NPS We Trust is hosted by Davey, Phil, and Spencer. You can write into the show via our email, pswetrust at gmail.com. Our Twitter is at in PS we trust. To find each of us online, follow our Twitters at SSJDavy, at Philip Hoy, at SpenPi underscore. Thank you for listening. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. See ya.